Alright guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q, and today is Friday, March 11th, 2022. And uh, with me, as always, on this every other Friday, is uh, Christopher J. McGillicuddy. How's it going, buddy? Oh, pretty good, man. Alright. So, if Chris is here, does everybody know what that means? Oh, that's right. They should. They should, right? <laughs> it's another episode of the DTOM Files, brought to you in part by Maker's Mark Bourbon. Mm. Except for not drinking that today. What are we drinking today? We're drinking uh, Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra. Why, pray tell, why, pray tell, are we drinking <laughs> Michelob Ultra? Well, we're doing that in honor of our subject for the day. All right. What's that? Would be... M K Ultra. Oh, I see what you did there. Mick Ultra, MK Ultra. <laughs> you like that? Right. So, little known fact. Okay. Uh, the beer was actually formed during MK Ultra. That's what the whole thing was about. Was a it was a secret beer recipe. <laughs> really? Yep. So we're done. All right, so, guys. Uh, well, thanks for again? tuning in and sugar water. Mm-hmm. Well, in preparations for the show, we've already drank one beer. <laughs> So we're on to number two, right? Like you do. <laughs> like like we do. <laughs> All right. So with this being beer versus liquor, mm-hmm. hopefully, I'm going to preference by saying hopefully. Are we going to be able to finish that 24-pack? <laughs> oh, it's okay, Deliver. He's joking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll get too shit-faced and goofy. Oh, come on, man. That's what's fun. Yeah. No, it is fun. That's what's fun about it. I hope, I really hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing here. Well, at least they can listen to it now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, now, if you're on Apple, right? (laughs) All right, so we're going to start by giving you the official definition of what MKUltra is. Okay. What do you got? All right. MKUltra was a top-secret CIA project in which the agency conducted hundreds of clandestine experiments, sometimes on unwitting U.S. citizens, to assess the potential use of LSD and other drugs for mind control, information gathering, and psychological torture. Is that it? Uh, Is she right? (laughs) Because I know that's the popular version of what went on there. I know a lot of people like to believe that. I wish I could. Yeah, but... (laughs) <laughs> okay, so why are we doing an episode on MK Ultra? So the last two episodes that we've done of the DTOM files, for those that don't know, if you happen to, if this happens to be the first show you're listening to, and you want to know what the hell is DTOM files, what is, what is this about uh, MK Ultra? What are they talking about? Okay, so we're doing a series. It's a conspiracy theory series on various uh, events through American history. And subsequently, it'll turn into uh, world history also. But nonetheless, um, so we started, our first one was JFK assassination, which was the obvious conspiracy theory, right? Mm -hmm. And we're trying to stay in not chronological order, but we're trying to link everything together. Yeah. So to speak. And, and I think what you're going to find is in those first two episodes, we got into a little bit of 
mind control, right? Um, Manchurian candidate type situations. And some of the names that we brought up and mentioned in those episodes, you're going to see are going to be um, very prominent in what we talk about today. In in one way or another, right? From leaders of certain agencies to scientists yeah scientists you know because in doing research a particular name kept popping up and i was like why in the hell do i know that name and it was from doing the damn was it jfk or was it rfk uh hmm. or both (laughs) maybe both but uh so anyway so we did jfk Mm -hmm. first that was (laughs) that was our first run at doing this and Mm -hmm. we drank uh Old Fashions and uh, Cherry Vanilla Rum. That was a good day. Good day. Bad day the next day at work, because that was rough. <laughs> but, uh, hey, here we go. Hey, look at that. U.S. inflation hits uh, 7.9%. Ooh. There you go. There you go, guys. Sugar water. All right. Um, <clears throat> And then the next one was I thought was pretty interesting. Because JFK, everyone kind of knows about. Right. You know, everyone knows the basic idea, and we went into some other options there of what you could think about. Mm-hmm. RFK, no one really talks about. Right, you know, you know the basic story. The, you know, he was shot. Sirhan, Sirhan, blah blah blah, and whatever. But the details we went into is a lot of stuff I didn't know anything about. So I, th- I found it interesting personally. Good. Um. So we were, we were going to go down another road today. Mm-hmm. Initially, when we had kind of planned these first couple of shows out. Um. And I still we're still gonna do it, not today, but sooner or later. And that'll be the moon landing because I I, I just think that's interesting stuff. But nonetheless That's gonna be an interesting this particular subject matter we wanted to talk about because it has a lot it it doesn't necessarily have a lot to do about the last two situations, but one could say it does have right. something to do with those two. Right. Once you hear some of the details and whatnot. So All right, so what what Chris and I are trying to do with this show, with this particular series of shows, is what we do is this. He does research on the subject, and I just listen. No. Uh, <laughs> I do research on the subject. Hopefully, we don't do necessarily the same research, but similar research, and we're going to throw names and situations out to one another, and we're going to yeah, so so basically, we're going to kind of give you a little bit of the background, right, of oh, what happened there, and and then uh, when we get closer to the end, we're going to start throwing out some names that people will probably recognize. A lot of names that most people will recognize, and maybe their connections or possibility. Well, being and, and then I have involved maybe wittingly or unwittingly, and I have stuff in my head. It's driving me crazy, man. No. <laughs> But, and in, in you don't know anything about what I'm, I mean, I'm not saying you don't know anything about what I'm going to say, but you don't know what I'm going to say until right. I say it. Right. Because we've made a pact <laughs> on the days we're doing these shows. We're not going to We don't talk about. We don't talk about nothing. We don't talk to each other. It's <laughs> almost like we're not talking. And even the last couple of days, we don't talk about this. Right. We try to stay away from this subject because we both have a tendency, and we were doing it just now before we <laughs> cracked over the microphones. What did you know? Yeah, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I'll save it. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. And and we do that. I, whatever is basically just to get a, a reaction right. from each other. You're going to say whatever. I'm like, oh shit, really? And I'm going to say something. You're going to be like, 
Yeah, I knew that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Lizard aliens, come on, man. Right. Right. Oh, <laughs> shit, he knew. All right, so I'm going to let you okay. start. So, essentially, this all started right after World War II. Right. Okay. Um, the The U.S. kind of... They were kind of afraid uh, between the the Soviets, right? Uh, China and North Korea. They were afraid that those those countries were using were brainwashing, right? And and using some sort of mind control brainwashing techniques techniques. So they really wanted to get involved in this, right? Because, we need a piece of that pie. Well, I mean, they they started it by posing it as being, well, we need to know how they're doing this so we can reverse it or we can stop it. For, right. When in all actuality, we need to learn how to do that. Right. Because, you know. <clears throat> well, I mean, basically the way it worked out was when, when, when we essentially ended World War II. Right. Like, <clears throat> World War II started in the late 30s, 38 39, somewhere around there. Um, and we were kind of like, eh, it's not our business. And then Pearl Harbor, blah, 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 blah. Um, it could have been a war. I mean, I think at one time, it, I don't know if that was, was like one of those things where it's going to be one of those wars to end all wars. You know, right. it's going to grow. We could fight this war for decades. And I think it got to a point where America was like, you know what? What we did, <clears throat> you had a scientist by the name of Einstein, who was, well, Austrian. But the Germans was trying to use his knowledge to create an atomic bomb. And much in the sense of stuff we'll talk about today, he had the mindset was like, that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. You know, and he left. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that was even before World War II actually broke out. Um, yeah, because they actually w wanted to consult him on, right. and he didn't want to have anything to do right. with it. Right, and yeah. then he came to America and basically spilled the beans on what their they were doing. their mindset was, right. and they took that information, built the bomb, and they had no intention on using it until they enough's enough right. type type thing. Because right. we've talked about this before. Theoretically, we should have gotten our ass kicked in World War Two, and it wasn't until we said. <laughs> sugar water mm. and <clears throat> once we did that everyone was like we were swinging our dick around the united the world right. and everyone was like cool mm -hmm. but immediately when, when world war ii ended the cold war started right. it wasn't even like a time frame it was like literally right because like we were friends or not friends but we were allies with the russians but as soon as the war ended they right. were kind of like the friend of our yeah. or the enemy of our enemy friend. is a friend right. or whatever yeah um, but as soon as that was over, okay, we don't like you anymore. Right. And we used that hatred or whatever to, like you were saying, the Soviets are doing this, the Chinese are doing this, the North Koreans, you know, whatever. We need to know, we need to know how, how to, to do, do this. this. Right. So, <clears throat> um, in 1949, Dr. L. Wilson Green, who was a technical director of the Chemical and Radiological Laboratories at the Army Chemical Center. All right. 
And he wrote a report in 1949 entitled Psychochemical Warfare, A New Concept of War. Okay. Okay. And Dr. Green was very interested in uh, Dr. Albert uh, Hoffman's discovery of a new drug called LSD and its effects. So, um, in around 1950, uh, they they took this this report that was written by Dr. Green, and uh, the CIA became very interested in it. And in 1950, CIA officers began to work with scientists at guess where? Uh, uh, I don't know. Fort Detrick. In Maryland. Detrick. <laughs> and the joint operation became known as MK Naomi. <laughs> Naomi. Uh, this was initiated to provide the CIA with a covert support base to meet its top secret operational requirements of biological and chemical warfare. All right. Okay. So um, the head of the CIA at the time was uh, Roscoe. Killing P. Coltrane? No. But he wanted to uh, focus the the program a little bit more on the mind control aspect. Okay. And so that's when uh, the program kind of took a little bit of a, a shift. And that's the beginnings of what they called Project Bluebird. Okay. Okay. The goal of Project Bluebird was to... Uh, to form special interrogation methods by using drugs, hypnosis, isolation, torture. Oh, I mean, uh, not torture. <laughs> um, but essentially trying to find a way to get uh, people to give up their secrets. Right. Right. So if you remember from the RFK episode, I talked a little bit about a CIA official who actually started doing hypnosis studies. Okay. And he actually developed a machine. It was like a hypnosis, um, I, I forgot what they call it, like a wave machine or okay. whatever. Some, something like a that, white noise type thing? Type deal, right, to kind of put you under. And his name was Morris Allen. So right. he became very heavily involved in the hypnosis angle of this, okay? And this is the guy that, you know, for those that maybe didn't listen to the last episode, but this was, this was the guy that went in and actually hypnotized his secretaries. Right. And, um, um, so anyways, you know, I'll tell well, you real quick. Why did he hypnotize the sec- secretary? Well, I mean, he, yeah, <laughs> let's just say that it, it, it wasn't just for scientific, uh, <laughs> it was for personal gratification. <laughs> right. <laughs> we need you to take some dictation. <laughs> But anyways, um, so he, you know, he hypnotized these secretaries and had sex. Well, I'm sure, (laughs) but, but varying levels of success, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) I remember hearing about that. I was like, hmm. But, uh, anyway, um, in the late fifties, the, uh, the, the, uh, then CIA director, Walter uh, Bedell Smith named to the position of Deputy Director of Plans one Alan Dulles P. Coltrane. Oh. P. Coltrane. Which is an interesting 
name in this whole situation. And we'll get into him later. But Well, he's going to pop up all over. Yeah, this. he's all over the place. But that's where I want to kind of go off on a tangent about him. Having to do with MK Ultra, but other situations in history that makes me personally curious about his involvement. Like, okay, I'm just the head of the CIA. Okay. Well, he, at the time, he was just deputy director of plans. Right. So, but he was placed overhead of of uh, this operation, this uh, uh, Project Bluebird. Right. So he was kind of like, you're the lead director on this. You, you know, you're going to run with it. And um, what they did is they were kind of, you know, we're, we're still just off the, so this is 1950s. We're still kind of, <clears throat> so they had these uh, camps in Germany and I, I believe Japan. Does that sound right? Probably. Okay. Uh, where you're still forming, uh, still housing some of these former Nazi scientists and prisoners of war, right? Or should we call them test subjects? subjects. <laughs> uh, the POW, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the POWs were injected with both antidepressants and stimulants at the same time, <laughs> causing various health effects on the central nervous system. And they would use various techniques such as hypnosis, electroshock, sensory deprivation, in a in attempt to convert them. Break them. Break them. Yeah. Give well, up. and that's a and that's a a thing that. Okay, so <clears throat> all this stuff started. So you said forty nine. Mm-hmm. Some would say it started earlier than that. Obviously, maybe not in this country. Right. And I think it had a lot to do. So I found stuff um, about Japan. Right. And so there was a. A gentleman, whatever gentleman <laughs> in he wasn't very gentle. No, <laughs> it wasn't in Japan. Uh, Shiro Ishi, mm. right? He was a surgeon general. Uh, he was a microbiologist and an army medical officer, and war criminal. <laughs> mm. So he served as a director of Unit Seven Thirty One. Okay, so on the surface. He was a war criminal, so obviously he must have done something bad, right? So on the surface, you think, okay, what's Unit 731? It's like they had a bad, you know, Unit 731. Right. Well, this gentleman was a, bio, like I said, microbiologist, so he he delved in uh, biological warfare in the uh, unit of the Imperial Japanese Army. So... Uh, he led the development and application of biological weapons in uh, Manchukuo in the Second Sino-Japanese War from 37 to 45, including the bubonic plague attacks in China. Mm. And uh, planned <laughs> Operation Cherry Blossom, where they planted trees in Washington, D.C. No, oh, nice. actually, o- Operation Cherry Blossom was this was after World War II because he was never caught like initially. So like when Japan surrendered, he basically <clears throat> what he did was he took all the scientists that worked under him and whoever I shouldn't just say scientists, but whoever worked under him, they basically killed all their test subjects. So the different levels of testing that they were doing at this at this area, they killed everybody. And then all the scientists and, and whatnot that worked there he gave cyanide pills to. Right. And said, uh, 
the secrets have to die with you. <laughs> you know, I'm right. not saying take it now, <laughs> but, but if shit comes down the road, you better start swallowing some pills. Yeah. He, however, did not take his own advice. <laughs> um, but he le- he left and went to his farm wherever in Japan, and I think about four years later, he was found. Um, by the army, by the you know, United States Army. And he was given an opportunity, <laughs> so to speak, to uh, obviously at this point the Americans knew what Unit 731 was and what it was about and what they were doing there. And they wanted his knowledge, essentially. So it was kind of like of a... In Germany, we had the Operation Paperclip where they took all the scientists and essentially took the people out of Germany and created NASA, <laughs> essentially. Essentially. So this was kind of like the opposite of Operation Paperclip. Like some could say NASA, okay, that was a good thing. This guy would have been the deep, dark secret that no one wants to talk about. Right. Biological warfare, which is something that we're kind of hearing a lot about today. Now. Right. Um, <clears throat> so... Yeah, for for anybody that's never heard of Unit Seven Thirty One, um, it's not for the faint of heart. No, it's it's very um, very like, I, I, horrific. I mean, just horrific. Some of these, even as bad as as some of the things that you heard coming out of Nazi Germany and the stuff with Doctor uh, Joseph Mengele, I think it would almost pale in comparison to what they were doing. At this uh, unit seven thirty one, um, well, and we won't go into detail on that because, of course, that's not what the show's about. But. Well, it's interesting. So, like, it, you know, it says here. So, like, seven thirty one researchers were arrested by Soviet forces, were tried in December of forty nine for war crimes. Those captured by the United States were secretly giving immunity, hmm. shocking, in right? exchange for data gathering during their human experiments. The Americans co-opted the researchers' bioweapons information and experiments uh, for use in their own biological warfare program, uh, much as they have done with German researchers with Operation Paperclip. But what they did was they kind of mind-fucked these people initially because the Soviet forces had already taken some of the research. Like this gentleman, this Urucho, or I'm sorry, what was his name? Ishiro, uh, mm-hmm. he he was out of the mix. He escaped. He was on a farm, whatever. But the uh, Soviets had found some of the researchers. So these weren't even like main people. They were just people that worked there. Right. And they were held on war crimes and ex- in dealt with. Right. Um, the way America dealt with these people was like, Look, you can come with us and tell us everything you know, or you can go with them and die. <laughs> and they're like, cool. What time would leave? You know? Well, believe it or not, I think most most countries, like, you know, they talked about China, they talked about North Korea, of course, Japan. We're talking about Unit 731 here. Russia actually had their own uh, version of MKUltra, which I believe they called Psychotronics. <laughs> So it was it was very much along the same lines of of using drugs, hypnosis, um, deprivation type torture to break down and uh, gain control over a a subject. So 
uh, every every country I think has had dabbled their hand in in some sort of version. Of, yeah, because you want to gain control, right, of somebody of a person. So MK Ultra was designed around what they called it, like a truth. They wanted to they, they create wanted a, a truth, truth serum. serum, right? So you could you could essentially gain secrets. What what kills me is the the um, this unit seven thirty one. I mean, they were biological. They did do more along the lines of, like, I think they'd started anthrax, and they started stuff like that. Right. More biological. So More biological, injecting people with stuff and, and or giving them certain diseases to germ, see what Yeah, it, germ warfare. Right. And, hmm. <laughs> infected, and they injected uh, diseases disguised as vaccinations hmm. Hmm. <laughs> to hmm. study their effect. Hmm. Um. One thing that killed me, I, I can't find it right now, but they would actually <clears throat> take and um, they would force people to, like, smoke cigarettes. Right. Just so they could take their lungs out to look at them. Mm-hmm. They would rape women mm-hmm. and pregnant, impregnating them mm-hmm. just to abort the babies. Mm-hmm. And this is all done under the guise of science. science. We we as human beings have done some horrific shit to people in the name of science. Mm-hmm. And I think we still continue to this day to do well such things. Yeah, and I, and I'm sure you know. So the MK Ultra was uh, 53 officially, right? Ofi- yeah. Till 70, what four you said? Till 73. Three. Yeah. And I personally. I, <sighs> Say whatever you want about MK Ultra, but the division of the CIA that dealt with this—that shit's still going on. It might be called something else. And well, uh, yeah, and and that's kind of the question: is did they ever actually end it? Um, now, what makes this so difficult is is a lot of the the uh, a lot of the data, a lot of the the files, a lot of the. Uh, um, Information, Information, research, God, <laughs> uh, was, was destroyed. destroyed. Yeah. yeah. So because this, you know, the very point of this whole program was that it it couldn't be brought to light. Right. What they were doing now, um, under um, under Dulles, Dulles got a promotion. Right. Right. He got moved up. He became the deputy director of the CIA. Okay. And he was kind of um, wanting to kind of ramp it up a little bit. He's right. like not quite, not quite seeing the kind of results we want from from simple torture, hypnosis, electroshock, these type of things. They're they're not getting the results that they want. Um, so he brought in somebody from the outside. Okay. okay. And he brought in this chemist named Doctor Sidney Gottlieb. Right. Right. And that's the name I think you were talking right. about that you were like, I, I, the name sounds familiar. The name, you know. Yeah, because I kept hearing it. I was like, why have I heard that before? Now, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb would go on to become probably the most prominent name in MKUltra because he pretty much ran the project. Program, yeah. Uh, till supposedly its end. Um, when they did this, they actually changed the name. They were trying to kind of narrow the focus a little bit more, so they nicknamed it Project Artichoke. So we went from Bluebird, so now we're Project Artichoke. Right. Uh, they opened new facilities to perform more tests. And Gottlieb 
started to kind of move away from hypnosis. Uh, they kind of moved away from Morris Allen and his and his hypnosis, you know, theories of of because um, it, it just wasn't quite working. And then he actually started studying psychopharmacology, or the study of how drugs affect people. And he he actually reached out to Doctor Green, right. if you remember, uh, and about the studies and the effects of LSD. And so he actually tested it on himself. Right. <laughs> and uh, he became convinced that, that this is the truth. This is like their truth serum that they've been looking for. Right. Right. And so then, you know, after this, he's, he, they begin widespread testing on operatives and scientists in the project. Some willing, some knowing, some unknowing. Yeah, because I think they wanted the people, they wanted a... <clears throat> A test range of so if you knew you were getting these drugs, how would you might you? act differently? Right. Whereas if you don't know, then how are you going to act? Right. Um. And so you know this kind of went on for a little while. So I guess about after about eight, eighteen months, they 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 haven't really got any concrete results. Right. But you know he wasn't going to be deterred from it. He 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 was convinced. He's convinced that this is the secret. Well, and the biggest thing was, we we talked about this. I, I don't remember. Who are you? No. Uh, what was going on during this time in, in the world was the Korean War. Right. So we believed, or some people believed, that the um, Soviets, Chinese, North Koreans were doing a lot of um, brainwashing experiments against prisoners of war right. in in Korea and Dulles wanted to, they were already kind of had their toe in the in the pool oh yeah once all the shit was going on in Korea they wanted to kind of like we want to do that too yeah and we had a thing for the life of me I can't remember when we talked about it where you had soldiers of war of uh, prisoners of war over there mm-hmm. that were sitting there saying, "Oh, they they were breaking them down to yeah." They were saying whatever they wanted right. to say. The, we dropped these. Well, I think it was like uh, uh, some sort of uh, germ warfare. Yeah, or that's what it was. That was yeah. And then when they came back to America, they were like, "Oh, they made us do this that, and the other thing." So, right. I think that's kind of part of this right in that situation, but um. And we actually talked about that a little bit with Jolly West because he was. Yeah, was be, it JFK? Was it the JFK show we did? I, th- I believe so. I believe so because he was the guy that interviewed Jack Ruby. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew we talked he, about that. But that's where he got his start was from interviewing and and um, um becoming the psychologist basically for right. the POWs that were coming back right. to try to figure out what what happened to them and why they, they said what they said exactly. But um. <clears throat> So some of the drugs that I'm in the MK Ultra experiments. So when we talk about stuff, and when you, if you see stuff about MK Ultra, the biggest drug is what LSD, right? Right. No, they they used a wide. Uh, well, interesting. I'm looking at this here, uh, ecstasy. Yeah, MDMA. And I always thought that was more of a newer drug. Uh, no, it's been around. <laughs> it's been around for a little bit. When you had mescaline, mescaline heroin, yep. barbiturates, meth, <laughs> meth, and psilocybin. 
Yeah. So was that uh, that was in, around here? Meth, meth. Oh, <laughs> <coughs> yeah, who knew? I didn't know that. <laughs> I think it's just interesting. Not to get totally off the subject, but when I used to do heroin. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I started thinking about this when I was hearing about all these drugs, okay? So they essentially took LSD. So did they create these drugs, or uh, were the drugs available? No, I think I think most of the drugs were already available. I just don't think that they knew the wide-ranging effects effects of the drugs or or what certain drugs would have effect or, or even combining. Well, where I'm going with this is... is like I said, has nothing to do with M. Well, maybe mm. has nothing to do with MK Ultra. Okay. So in the eighties, nineteen eighties, and m- most of that decade is when um, crack cocaine mm-hmm. was introduced to the inner city, mm-hmm. and you used to hear stories about the CIA was bringing these drugs and giving them to. These gangbangers, the essentially, mm-hmm. to sell, mm-hmm. and and it was like, ah. I remember being a kid and hearing these stories. And I say kid, I was a teenager, um, and I was like, I can't imagine, you know, much in the guides of a lot of people in, in this country. I can't imagine they would do that. I can't imagine they would do that. Whatever. These guys are just making excuses. See, I wouldn't. Well, who's going to go to, you know, Jimmy John the crackhead here to give him drugs to sell to the neighborhood? The CIA is not going to do that. That's some bullshit, you know. I remember watching an interview for life. Me, I can't remember the guy's name. He was a gangbanger in L.A. Mm-hmm. And he's like straight up, look, the CIA gave us these drugs. They gave us. It's not even that they. They taught them how to make crack, mm-hmm. essentially, gave them the ability to do that under the guides of destroying the black people and in mm-hmm. those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And we never, never thought nothing about it. We just, I hate to say this because it sounds awful because, well, it's awful, <laughs> but you can attest to this. We're about the same age. We grew up in the sense of don't go to that neighborhood, right? Don't go to that part of town. And then on the flip side, you'd hear, people talk like leaders of those neighborhoods. And it's like, how come in our neighborhood on every corner, there's a, a, uh, a liquor store, a pawn shop, uh, check cat, you know, there's all these things that you don't see in the quote unquote white part of town. Right. And it was like, <laughs> it's fucked up is what it is because it's almost like the government deem these people I, I know that sounds bad but they deem these people unworthy mm-hmm. and, and now it's like we're paying we are paying for the sins of well and, and I think I, I we could actually go down that rabbit hole too because I think that has a lot to do with Planned Parenthood and a lot to do with... Uh... So what I'm hearing is that's a show for another day. <laughs> that's a show for another day. All right. So anyway, MK Ultra. I'm just saying it's like in, in doing research for this, you hear about LSD, for example. Right. And how it was introduced to the pop culture mm-hmm. aspect of things. So like they did the things that, that you were talking about, and we'll still go into those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to talk about pop culture necessarily. Yeah, but it was like they they willing they gave these drugs to willing participants 
to see how they would react. They gave it to unwilling participants or unknowing participants to see how they would act. But then they put it in the pop culture part because I, I remember someone saying uh, John Lennon was like, yeah, the CIA gave us LSD to make and made and it made us free. Made it, yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's like interesting, interesting <coughs> name you bring up. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's John Lennon. Of course I would. But uh, anyway, so um, Alan Dulles gets yet another promotion. You know, he's a fast riser. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, very little morals, so, you know, he's a fast riser. He fits right in the CIA. <laughs> uh, so in 1953, Dulles was appointed the new director of the CIA. And Dulles and Gottlieb took advantage to expand the program even further. Uh, MK Ultra was born, and with Dulles' full support, Gottlieb began uh, sending out LSD to hospitals, universities, uh, prisons. Under the guides of giving it to, I think it was like mentally ill patients and stuff like that. Yeah, right? when it when it originally started, they were doing that under the guise of giving it to to the mentally ill or or the uh, terminally ill, right? To see what effects it would have. But at this point, once he's in control, he's sending it out everywhere. This is going to universities, uh, hospitals, prisons. You know, in, in prisons they would um, they would ask for volunteers in the prison, and we'll give you better accommodations right. or will lighten your sentence right. or will promise these things to and there was a particular prisoner yeah that they did this to and then they fucked him and sent him to pretty much to alcatraz yeah that was james whitey bulger yeah uh which you know most of that of course there's no files on that oh. but you know we're taking him at his word which known mob well <laughs> no mob the, also the sad know. thing is at this point in my life I'll, I believe more from some of these people than I do from the fucking government. Well, seeing what was going on now, I, I have a tendency that you, you're probably you're probably correct. Um, so, in the same time, uh, Gottlieb actually opened a what they would call like a like a like a safe house, whatever, in New York right. City, right. in Greenwich Village. Uh-huh. And he uh, appointed this guy, George White, to kind of oversee it, kind of run things in the safe house. And essentially what they were trying to do is they were trying to get lure in um, willing or unwilling people right. and kind of dose them and, right. and kind of record the effects on them. And they had <coughs> CIA agents or whatever kind of... Yeah, yeah, taking down notes. Like on a two-sided, you know, <laughs> yeah. mirror, oh, like, oh. What's what? happening? What's happening, huh? Yeah, okay. yeah, and some of some of the people come in willingly knew what they were taking. Right. And then some people, they kind of, you know, whatever. So, <clears throat> this is around the time. And I'm, I'm glad you started, uh, I'm glad you started watching this documentary. I finally got him to watch the documentary. Wormwood. Yeah. Wormwood. But this, uh, around the end of 1953 is when we have the story of Frank Olson. Right. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, well, whatever. But anyways. <laughs> what? What no, do you no, think? No, 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 no. Well, I, I, there's been some speculation. There's been some, some reporting that maybe Frank Olson wasn't quite. That's vanilla. Well, maybe that he wasn't quite down with what they were doing. Oh, okay. And he was kind of showing some well, doubts in the program that maybe he he was. Well, the way his son explains it, and and I've heard this. Not even, I mean, granted, 
his it's his son. Right. I've heard this from other you know, in doing research, I've heard this that he told his wife, look, he was a microbiologist. He Microbiolo- was a, mm-hmm. he was the uh Ishiro of <laughs> right, 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 right. of Maryland. Right. So he was brought in as that. Right. And then in uh Fort Detrick <laughs> Fort Detrick um which is a very popular <laughs> place nowadays <laughs> apparently um they it, at the time especially was one of the largest in the countries in this country uh biochemic you know outside of Ukraine it was the biggest biochemics <laughs> chemistry lab, lab yeah. in Right. You see what it is? Yeah, you know, I like, like that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so he thought he was being brought in to just do research on right on bio. It had nothing to do, in his mind. It had nothing to do with warfare or the things that they were actually but then once doing. He got there. He was he was there then. Right. And I mean, they were doing some pretty horrific things there too. Right. Um. So, yeah, so may- maybe his conscience got the best of him or whatever, but but there was some reporting saying that, you know, maybe maybe he was thinking about kind of maybe spilling the beans, maybe kind of, you know, whatever. So, anyways, he was invited to this uh, this retreat, right? this outing or whatever that consisted of other scientists and members of the CIA, and they were unknowingly dosed with LSD. Okay. Okay. Like you do, what, and I mean copious amounts of LSD. Right. Not not like uh, oh here's a little shot. Like they they were putting in their drinks and yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. Give them some pretty heavy doses. Um. So Olson, you know, of course he was uh, extremely pissed off that he had been used like this. You know, he he was irate. Um. So he was really, you know, kind of. I believe he even made mention of that he. I, I think, what was it? He was telling his friend or something. His like wife. His wife. I did he I, tell his wife? I told his wife that um, that they were doing stuff there that he didn't, he didn't like and right. he didn't agree with, and that he was going to quit. Right now, it is not that. From what his wife and his kids said, it's not that he was telling them this is what they're doing. He kept a he kept it secret. They feared. That he wouldn't, therefore, right. Frank Olson had to go. <laughs> well, when he came back from that retreat, I know that he ended up having to go and see a um, a uh, psychiatric uh, physician. Right. And but but they couldn't let him go to just anyone because you know this is a guy that's got top right. secret top secret clearance. Yeah, you know, to go to a government one. Right. So that he went to an appointed one. I. Uh, can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Abr- Abramson. Is that right? Abramson? Yeah, maybe. And, uh, of course, this is one of the uh, the uh, the agency's guys, right? Right. <laughs> so every pretty much everything that, that Olsen was telling him, he was pretty much reporting back to, uh, to uh, Gottlieb. Uh, so, anyway, he... he um, what was it? He he went to New York. Went to New York. So this is approximately two weeks after the the uh, retreat, retreat incident. Right. Yeah. He goes to to uh, New York City to see this physician again. And uh, while he's there uh, at this hotel, he jumps. 
uh, to his death committing suicide. Right. So, what what was the name of the friggin' hotel? Statler Hotel. Statler, there you go. So, it's interesting. <clears throat> I wish... <laughs> we went to New York, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago. And I wish I had known more about stuff like this, because... That particular hotel is right across the street from Penn Station. Right. And we went to Penn Station because we took the train to visit some people. Right. And I would have been cool. Like, to see it. Me being a Beatles fan. Right. Like, we went to the Dakota. Right. We went to Central Park. There's the, the, the thing that they have like a tile uh, for John Lennon, imagine, whatever. Right. And, uh, and even like in front of the Dakota where he was shot, there's not like a memorial. Like, this is where John Lennon was shot. It's just like, oh, there's the front. It was right there. You know, if you know, you know. Right. <clears throat> I would assume this hotel, you know, 13 floors up, it's not like there's a, a plaque or whatever on the on the sidewalk. This is where he landed. Right. <laughs> you know, because if John Lennon being assassinated in front of his home doesn't get a plaque, doesn't get a plaque or a statue right. or whatever, then surely some doctor i was even a doctor yeah, he was scientist a, whatever yeah he was a he um microbiologist wouldn't get a plaque right because up until talking to you about this stuff i couldn't have told you i frank olson was that the uh, olson twins dad <laughs> when who was he i wouldn't know who the fuck he was but you know from watching that that uh documentary or whatever that was the official word of what happened. Right. Now, now we know that there are well, some other little shady going ons behind the scenes. Well, even in that, in that, I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. Okay, but when you start watching it, the first I don't know episode or two, it's kind of like the official narrative. Now, obviously, his son for life, me, I can't think of his name. I want to say Eric. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, is he's older? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably. Well, you in his fifties or so, you figured this took place in nineteen fifty-three, right? So, so he's maybe even older than that, right? I said in his fifties, because, but nonetheless, um, he's been a crusader, right, for his dad. Like someone, one of the in doing research, one of the things I was listening to called Wormwood a. Uh, to me, it seems like a. I don't want to say a documentary, but it's kind of like a. Uh, a docu series, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because yeah. you've seen it, so you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, basically, they take the interviews with the son, lawyers, uh, friends, colleagues, whatever, of uh, Olson, and then they put a story together, and then they have actors and they kind of act it out, which I can kind of live without because it's kind of like, right, <laughs> you know, but, um. The son is obviously pissed about this whole thing. He hasn't gotten over it. No, he has not. Well, so so there's there's some strange strange things to the official narrative. Um, so they said this guy jumped out of the ten story window of the Statler Hotel uh, to his death. Whatever. All right. He was he was accompanied to the hotel by another CIA officer, Doctor Robert Lashbrook. Right. Um, Supposedly, Lashbrook was in his room, whatever. Now, interestingly enough, since such time, it's come out that the the I believe it was the operator on at the hotel at, at the hotel right. on the switchboard said that there were actually uh, two phone calls 
if I'm not mistaken, that came from Lashbrook's room. Yeah, because he said he was asleep. Right. Like when the cops showed up. Right. Um, and she, I think she listened into part of it or she heard part of it or whatever uh, to one person saying he's gone. And I believe that she was saying that was Lashbrook was saying he's gone. And the other guy saying, well, that's too bad. So, um, yeah, and then like you said, I think when the police showed up, what is he? Wasn't he on like the toilet or yeah, whatever? He's he smoking a cigarette, sitting yeah. on the toilet, and the cops come in. It was like, you know, of course, these are New York City cops. They don't know what the fuck's going on. As far as they know, there's a dead body on the, right. on the uh, street. Um, and of course, according to the story, they take him in for uh, to interview him, find out what's going on. And he's telling him, you know, I work for the government. I don't, I don't know if he went into detail. Well, didn't they give him like a cover? Like he had a cover story. Yeah, I think he, he had it. Yeah. And he said, yeah, call this call this number or whatever. Right. And they called the number. They're like, we're not doing nothing. You're not going anywhere. And then the phone rings and he's like, you can go now. <laughs> or could you imagine having that kind of that, that kind of That kind of pull? Hold on. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Sure. White House warns of Russian chemical attack on Ukraine. Now, for those of you that listened to the show on Wednesday, I talked about, well, on the 27th of February, I talked about the, the and I know this is totally off subject, yeah. but it just popped up on my computer. Uh, we talked about the, the bio labs, bio labs mm -hmm. which was a conspiracy theory. And then it was pretty much... Uh, solidified on what Tuesday or whatever by uh that they were by lab. Victoria Newland, right? But of course she says in her in her testimony, well, they're they're going to say things that they're actually doing. And then we talked about white or white flags. Uh false flags. False flags. Then this pops up. Mm -hmm. White White House is warning of possible Russian well, chemical attacks. Interesting enough, though, I, I sent you something earlier in the day. Right. There was a report saying that essentially Russia's coming back and, and saying... Uh, we got your biochemicals. We got, we got your biochemicals that were in those labs. Right. And now we're getting a report to... Beware. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sorry. I just popped up. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway. So, so <clears throat> essentially what happens is... is um, well, I mean, we'll pretty much have to skip to the end of MK Ultra here <laughs> to get to the end of the story. But uh, essentially, what happens is is MK Ultra becomes known uh, in about 1974, I believe. Four. Yeah, and they actually have to go before a congressional hearing in 1975. That's okay. where they they kind of you know ask them what's going on or whatever. And um, what was it, President Gerald Ford? Ford yeah. Brought the family in and kind of um, behind closed doors, kind of you know, right. real sorry never, about the situation. Never really admitted no anything. They right. just and they they got a payout of what seven hundred fifty thousand, and it was kind of like. 000. But the son was still like, yeah, just bullshit. So after after uh, his mom died, the son actually had the body exhumed, right? Because that what was they in ninety four, I think it was. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, the whole time they contended that this guy took LSD, had a bad trip, lost his mind, and, and jumped out this window. Right. Uh, the son actually had his body exhumed. He had it tested for LSD. Uh, no drugs were found. Um, he said there was actually a wound, I believe, on his head that yeah, was not consistent with the the um, 
the doctor, whatever you want to call him, the uh, coroner, medical examiner, Mm -hmm. that um, when they exhumed the body, did, uh, you know, like went over the body and saw the the wound on the, the wound head. on the head that didn't correspond with going through a plate glass window. Well, and the fact that there was no wounds from glass. Right. So if this dude took a header out this window, and this wasn't like a balcony type situation where you could right. walk out onto the balcony. And this jump. was a it was a window. It was like it was jumping out this window right here. Right. But there was no glass. There was no damage. You there know what no we should do? Neck, Test the theory. Go down the hallway. Uh, all right, and take, take a header it. into the window. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> I was, I was just joking, joking, joking. Oh. No, but um, yeah, and it was literally a window like you would have in your house, in right. your bedroom window, right? Thirteen floors up, you would have to be really. Or <laughs> hear me out. Right. He was the window was broken, and then and he was thrown through it. He was thrown through it. Which, because even if the window wasn't pre broken and he was thrown like if okay so the way they're making a sound was he was knocked out he was knocked unconscious and then thrown even so if that was the case he would have been cut up so i would say the window was broken he was he was probably beaten window was broken then he was thrown out right you know uh interestingly enough supposedly when he when he hit the ground, the hotel night manager, I God, I can't remember his name now, but he came like, what the hell? Heard the glass breaking and people screaming, and he goes outside and sees this dude laying on the ground. He claims that he was still alive. <laughs> after being after falling 10 stories? It's 13. He was 13th floor. I thought they said it was the 10th floor. Oh. Um. Yeah, whatever. Re- regardless, long but, fall. <laughs> long so, fall. And he was muttering something. Really? Yeah. And then he looked up to you know see where he had come from, and could see the like the blinds or whatever blowing you know I guess out the window or whatever. And when he looked back down, he was gone. No, he was he was dead. Right. So it was literally he had a moment of still being alive. For life, me. It'd be interesting to know. Obviously, whatever he said wasn't coherent, so it's not like he's like they threw me out or anything like that. <laughs> right. But um, Damn, could you imagine? Like, here's here's the one thing I pick up from watching that Wormwood on Netflix. They show him. Granted, I shouldn't say they show him. They dramatize him <laughs> going out the window, and I start thinking about it. every time I watch it. They he's. Falling. And, right. You know, I'm like, could you imagine? I, I start thinking about dying. And uh, I think of all the ways to kill yourself. <laughs> I think about that a lot. <laughs> that sounds pretty <laughs> ominous. No, I'm just thinking. <laughs> so I was killing myself, right? No, but I'm thinking about people that commit suicide. Right. Or not even suicide, just people that die God, in horrific events. Like, okay, if you have a if you're asleep and you have a heart attack in the middle of the night and you die, whatever. Right. If you have cancer and you die from that, you know, whatever. I'm talking about people that burn alive right. or fall from a building. Or even people that commit suicide and slice their uh, wrist or they drown. Those aren't immediate deaths. Like I've heard one of the most horrific deaths that you can incur 
is being burnt alive mm-hmm. or drowned. Drowning. Mm-hmm. Because you're still alive. You're still yeah. alive for you're most of it. Experience most yeah. yeah. All of it. But then no one talks about falling out of a fucking window. Well, because you pretty much only got between the the going out and the hitting the ground, which well, Yeah, but the thing is, okay. Depending if, on if how you're, far you're falling. If you're drowning, you're like, oh, 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 I'm drowning. If you're burning up, you're gasping for air, you're oh, right. you know, if you're if you're falling out of a building, think of nine eleven and those people well, that were jumping. You know you're gonna die. You're yeah, jumping but, from but however many feet up. But I've also heard, depending on the height, you actually pass out. Because think about it. Have you ever been riding in a car like yeah. with the top off? And you know if you kind of raise the up wind. into the wind, you can't breathe? Okay, but if you're 10, 13, whatever stories up, no, that's I'm not, not that far. I'm not him, but I mean, you're talking yeah, about yeah, like yeah. these, these 3,000, yeah, yeah, I get it. So you probably pass out. And, and But still, like yeah. the way they dramatize it on, that this, would be horrible. on this Netflix is like, he's like, you know, it's like he's wide-eyed, and a, I, I couldn't imagine. He's like, "This is gonna hurt." Yeah, you know, I'd much rather be shot. <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> it's gonna, this gonna, gonna, this gonna hurt a little bit. <laughs> it's gonna, I'm right, it hurt. And then, especially if you live for twenty seconds right. afterwards, you can, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, it's rough anyway. stuff. Anyway, so on our next show, we're gonna kill each other and see who oh. <laughs> see which one's worse. <laughs> All right, now I'm gonna burn you alive. Well, you tell me what you think. So I guess I guess the question is: is you would go you, first. Could you could you see it out of the realm of possibility, considering how secretive they they needed to keep this project? If you've got a guy saying, or not even saying, but the possibility that this dude might be spilling the beans on what you've got going on, could you? And and let's not act like they're just doing random research. You are literally torturing people. It's like you're, you, you're you, dosing them. You're torturing them. You're 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 putting them through all these experiments. You know what you're doing. Is it out of the realm of possibility that they could be like, yeah, we need to get rid of this guy? Yeah, because he's just one dude, right? Or mm. one of a few, but at the time he was one dude, right? Well, the funny thing is, is towards the end of. <laughs> Well, was it towards the well? Because MK Ultra is seventy five, which was around, or was it three? Seventy three, uh, fifty three. No, it ended, or quote unquote ended. <laughs> ended to seventy three. Right. Right. So, well, I, I'm sure it ended in seventy three because they knew this shit was coming about. Uh, or did they? Well, I'm saying they quote unquote ended it because they're like, oh no, we ended that program because we knew it was fucked up. Right. Keep the program going. <laughs> Got it. Uh, got it. <laughs> All right. So in 1955, uh, the guy that I was telling you that was running the pad in New York, in Greenwich Village, right. Hunter White, uh, he actually took a job with the Federal Bureau of Narcotics in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And under Gottlieb's uh, mm. tutelage, he opened another pad yeah. <laughs> in San Francisco to continue the experiments. And this project... Midnight Climax. We've become known as Operation Midnight Climax. Oh my. And this is where MK Ultra takes a <laughs> This is some this is the MK Ultra I could get down with. Another CIA operation called Midnight Climax consisted of a network of CIA locations to which prostitutes on the CIA payroll were lure clients <laughs> where they were surreptitiously Applied with wide range of substance, including LSD, and monitored behind a one-way glass. Oh. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just saying. Um, several significant operational techniques. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what the uh, what kind of techniques we're using over there, guys. <laughs> were developed in this theater, including extensive research into sexual blackmail, surveillance technology, and the possible use of mind-altering drugs in field operations in the 70s. As another part of its mind control program, the CIA conspired with Eli Lilly and company to produce one of 100 million doses of illegal drug, LSD, enough to send almost anyone in the United States on a trip. No explanation was ever given to what the CIA did with 100 million doses of acid, <laughs> but since much of the activity was exported, reviewing international political events during this period may bring interesting possibilities to mind. Sugar water. You know how much these whores were paid to do this? They were given a stipend of $5,100 per subject. In 1970. Well. That's a lot of fucking money. That's a lot of money now. You know what I'm saying? Could you imagine? Okay, so listen, whore. I need you. This is what we're doing. You're going to go get you a dude. Get you some horny dude that wants to fuck. Bring him back to the, the place here. Because it was a supposedly a nice... It wasn't yeah, like the shithole in Greenwich Village. It was like a nice place. Yeah, out of the bay. Yeah. And uh, we're going to supply you with everything you need. Everything. You're going to bring these guys You're going to bring these guys back. You're going to give them a, a dose of this drug. Um, and then kind of guilt them in like. Well, they, they said kind of kind of talk to them. Stay well, and talk the, to like, them. Show some interest in them. The show sexual them blackmail. It was kind of like they would, they would dose them. They would fuck them. And then afterwards, make them feel guilty about what they did. And what well, depending you, on who it was. Well, yeah, I mean, depending on who it was. I, I think even then it was just random people because they wanted to see how the method would work. Right. And then you have, could you imagine having that job? All right, Johnson, <laughs> we got a job for you. We need you to watch. We need you to watch these girls fuck <laughs> these dudes and then write anything down they say. <laughs> uh, Roger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Write everything down." <laughs> well, you want me to stick it where? Okay. <laughs> no, it probably wasn't like that. Probably, probably wasn't like that. Uh, anyway, uh, from, from my understanding, in the in, in the research, uh, Godly began to uh, uh, what, what what is the term? Get high on his own supply. Yeah. So he actually started making trips over to the bay to. Uh, <laughs> See what the see what the flop house was all about. Let me get one of them dirty whores. Well, wasn't it uh, one of the uh, one of the um, uh, operatives there or whatever? He said that was essentially his only job was to get it, get Gottlieb blade. <laughs> and that we said. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, it it seems like MK Ultra is kind of coming off the rails a little bit here. Yeah. They're losing sight of of uh, what they were attempting to do here. Well, this was during that time in the period of. Uh, well, what's interesting, so Eli Lilly, it, uh, they're still in operation, right? Pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. So you had a a Merck or a Johnson & Johnson or a Pfizer right. of its time 
making these drugs mm-hmm. for the government. It's like they had some kid down in the basement of the CIA making these drugs. Like this was a company said, here's the the chemical composition. We need you to make these hundred million fucking doses. Right. And now w- w- what happened to him? Mm-hmm. Backtrack to what I said a little while ago about the crack cocaine in the inner cities. You know that shit found its way to the street. Oh, yeah. You know it did. Yeah. Into popular culture, probably found its way to a part of New York State, you know, where they were holding a little concert up there. You know, have a little uh, LSD trip. and. Uh, so, you know, all, all this continues to go on, um, kind of spiraling out of control with varying uh, degrees of, of failure. You know, it, it turns out LSD you know, was never quite the truth serum that they thought it was, thought it was going to be, uh, you know, uh, um, godly never, never really gave up hope on that. And like he continued on whatever, but so we get to about January, 1973 and, uh, all the MK ultra records are pretty much destroyed at the CIA's technical services division, um, from personnel acting on verbal orders of godly, uh, Gottlieb had to testify in front of the church committee. <laughs> and the former CIA director, Richard Helms, confirmed that the ordering of the records destruction. So that's pretty much where we get um, a lot of this is is them pretty much confirming the fact that they destroyed these files or whatever. So, I mean, they pretty much gave credence to the fact that this actually happened, right? Right. Um, so... Uh, MK Ultra and the nature of the termination were learned by the CIA, CIA's congressional overseers. Public attention was later drawn to the program in the 1975 Rockefeller Commission report and the Church Committee hearings in 1976. In 1977, the agency the agency uncovered additional MK Ultra files in the budget and fiscal records that were not indexed under the same name. These documents detailed over 150 sub-projects that the CIA funded. Now, I told you there were there were a ton of different um, right. sub-projects uh, uh, relating to the MKUltra program. So, you know, pretty much this is what went on for the rest of the time. They continued to bring these subjects in, and they opened more of these safe houses, flop houses, pads, whatever you want to call them. Right. And they continued to send the stuff out to the universities, and we're talking about universities like UC Berkeley, um, um, yeah, Stanford. Well, Stanford, yeah. I mean, all these places of higher, you know, these universities of higher learning, hospitals. They continue, you, you know what I mean? Like they continued on this research. They continued right. on sending all this stuff out. Now, as the um, the CIA, I think, actually switched over, and I cannot, for the life of me, I had the guy's name written down somewhere, but uh, Dulles fell out of power. Right. And that's essentially when the program kind of kind of f- faltered, failed. The, the budgeting was cut way back, so that, that was kind of like the downfall, and that's when all this stuff happened. Right. Helms. Helm, well, yeah, under Richard Helms, he kind of cut funding, and, and, uh, and, and I think Helms... My understanding was that Helms kind of was like, this is fucked up. 
<laughs> what we not that he I'm not saying Richard Helms was a good guy either. Right. But he was kind of like, yeah, I don't really believe in this shit and this is kind of what we've been doing is kind of fucked up. Uh, y'all need to um clean this shit up. And and no one can ever know about this. So I think that's when he ordered the, the stuff to be burned. Right. Well, okay, so I want to go back to Dulles. Okay. So I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Do you think Okay, now we kind of hit on this during the RFK about Sirhan Sirhan, right? The mm-hmm. lady in the polka dotted dress, mm-hmm. Manchurian candidates. Do you think, and I think you had said that there's a possibility that he was MK Ultra'd, so to speak? Who's that? Sirhan Sirhan. Oh, yeah. So at the time, so. Dulles at this point was no longer the CIA director because he was fired prior to Kennedy being killed. Oh yeah. Um, what about Oswald? So here's the thing, and this uh, shit. the thing about Oswald was is he he seemed like he was kind of in like not so much. Killing Kennedy, but he was in the 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 um, the pro Castro, the right. the, the pro. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. You think it could have been a situation where, because as we were told the story, uh, I, I'm not never said that I think um, Oswald was innocent by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But do you think? It was a situation where he was put in a place. I, I think he was put in a place. And maybe I, not like LSD'd or MK I, I Ultra. Think, maybe it was more of a hypnotic type situation. I, or, I don't I don't think they even had to do that with him. I think he was on board with the program. He was I, I have a feeling he was following orders, be here, do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like this, this. Now I'm telling you, <laughs> having looked at the, the Martin Luther King stuff and uh, James Earl Ray and what kind of went on there, the fact that uh, um, the stuff was found in his hotel room or whatever, and he claims he never fired a shot, that he was set up. Um, I could, I've told you before, I could kind of see that as being kind of like an Oswald situation where go place this gun there. You work in the book depository, you know right. what I mean? Uh, you need to place this gun at on the sixth floor, sixth right. floor and, you know... You go do whatever, and then somebody goes up there and and does what they got to do. I'm not saying whether James Earl Ray did it or not. I'm not right. saying he's guilty or he's not guilty, or that he's not guilty. Um, but that was his contention. He never fired a shot. He was told by so and so to do this. Uh, if you look at the descriptions of the guy, was a uh, supposedly a well dressed, like a like a, a higher class gentleman. That was seen leaving the scene. Right. Well, if, if anybody that's seen James Earl Ray, you know he just looks like a good old country boy. Right. <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is, is I see the the patterns between the Oswald and James Earl Ray, and I see something different with Sirhan. Well, I'm just saying. So my question is this. Okay, so Dulles mm-hmm. ramped things up in '53. Yes. Right. Kennedy became president in 60, Mm -hmm. right? Do you think... Do you think this is why Kennedy got killed? 
I think... Do you think he... I mean, forget about anything else with Cuba and all this other stuff. Forget about Oswald. Forget about all of that. I think that was just an angle to be able to kill Kennedy. Do you think, ultimately, the person that wanted Kennedy dead the most was Dulles? And maybe Kennedy wanted to rid this, I, the CIA, the CIA in general, but maybe even just at least this program. Uh... And I, then I, he didn't want that, and he because like when when he was killed, I, I would question whether Kennedy even knew anything about MK Ultra. Well, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there because it seems like I'm just trying to like Dulles. Yeah. Dulles is a very popular name in this whole situation. Forget about everybody else involved. I could, I could see it being a bitter Dulles because he'd been fired. I could see it being. But that's my question. Why do you think he was fired? I mean, I know the official narrative well, was he fucked up with the Bay of Pigs, right? But. Was that it? I mean, did maybe Kennedy know something about this well, I, going on, about these trials? You had the... I, I, um, just, I just, I find it hard to believe that anybody outside of the no. the, the project knew right. anything about this I know, this I was just on. thinking about this, because I'm thinking... Because even up till the 70s, this shit never came to light. Right. So, you well, would I, think I know, that, I'm just, that's what I'm saying. It's, and it's like, in, um, so, you know, Kennedy's killed... Uh, Johnson names Dulles the head of the Warren Commission. Mm-hmm. Pisses off Robert Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he starts digging around. Mm-hmm. I, I just I think this I think they're two separate things. So do you think Dulles had anything with Kennedy with Robert Kennedy getting, being killed? Yeah. Well, yes. Well, I you say yes because of MK Ultra and Sirhan Sirhan, but technically at the time Dulles wasn't in the CIA. I understand, but Gottlieb still was his man. Okay. His man that he gave control of the program was to, still in the mix. Was still in the mix. I got you. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. So that that pretty much wraps up the history of MK Ultra and what happened there. Where I'd like, in, unless you've got something else, something that I'd like to go into. So how about we do this? You want to give him a tease? Give him a little, whatever you want to talk about. Just tease. give him a little well, we're tease. We're going to name a couple of names that most people will probably recognize. Okay. And see, oh, what? Well, yeah, we won't get into that. But yeah, we're just going to, we're going to, yeah. Give, so give a couple of names here of, of people that. Okay. Prominent names. Of prominent the time. names. Yeah. And we'll start. Do you, do you, do you have any idea? I names? have no idea. You got any names? No. You got any names of all? I, I know what I knew need to do. What's that? Let's take a piss. <laughs> so get another beer. we're gonna close. We're gonna take a little break. You need to be MK Ultra. I, wait, what? <laughs> and yeah, I do actually MK Ultra. <laughs> yes, number three. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Listen here, dude. This is the holster, and I'm on the PCGCCK1 show. Don't tread on America. Let's do this, brother. All right. Thanks, Hogan, for bringing us back in. All right, guys. We took a little break, and uh, and we're back. I had to get my <coughs> sultry uh, voice on. <laughs> we're about to get into some freaky shit. <laughs> well... Like I said, there were there were several different um, sub projects, right? Classified under under MK Ultra, uh, and one of them 
that I know you wanted to get into was was called uh, <laughs> was called Project Monarch. Okay. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Now, essentially, Project Monarch, uh, from what we understand, was uh, study of butterflies. Yeah. No. No. Mm, interesting. Uh, they would identify um, young girls that had uh, like um, sexual abuse in right. their background. Um, causing, and they say a lot of time with sexual abuse and, and things of that nature that it causes, um, or can cause split personalities. So they would find, uh, the, again, identify these young girls that, that had, uh, sexual abuse, and then they would further that abuse till they actually did fracture their personalities, uh, to be able to, to essentially make them into, Sex slaves slash spies uh, well, slash... So what I'm reading here is an army of sexually abused children hidden by the feds. You can already see the military and es- espionage potential of such persons when groomed from childhood to early adulthood by this method. The alternate persona can be couriers of information. That information residing in the hidden persona and not available to the conscience knowledge of another and able to be recalled only by an agent at a receiving end. One persona could be a drug courier or an assassin trained to not only to kill remorselessly, remorselessly, Mm -hmm. but to willingly commit suicide if caught. Another persona and one of which Gottlieb and his men specialized was the creation of a Lolita. Hmm. A child sexual pervert without morals or inhibitions, otherwise known as Christopher J. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, whose entire training and purpose are in the art of appealing sexually to men to compromise them in, pre- in preparation for blackmail or even to kill them if the compromise fails and affect a robot who will unhesitantly follow any commands or instructions. And the method for forcing the creation of these uh, programmable (laughs) multiple personalities lie in abuse of a child, physically and sexually abused, torture, pain, electroshock, drug treatments, and not only personally experiencing but also witnessing unspeakable horrors to others will automatically create the fertile field of multiple personalities the physician can now program. Right. So... uh, Probably the, the the person that brought this program to light uh, was a woman named Kathy O'Brien. Right. And she wrote a book. Um, when he, he go. <laughs> oh. Detailing her experiences and uh, abuses at the hands of uh, the CIA under the MK Ultra. What was the name program. of the book? <sighs> the Transformation of America. That's it. And, um, and access denied the reasons for national security. Now, <clears throat> some of her claims, which I know you're going to get into, you're going to read a couple of them, right? Right. Uh, are kind of out there. So I know she had uh, she had quite a few critics uh, that that really kind of called her credibility into question. Uh, but she, her claims that she was. Um, essentially raped by U.S. Presidents Gerald Ford and Bill Clinton. Hey, what? Uh, <laughs> uh, who's this bitch we're talking about? 
Um, Vice. Uh, I didn't do it. <laughs> I was smoking weed, man. I swear to God. I... Vice President Dick Cheney. Oh, tricky Dick. <laughs> Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Wait. Oh, we had a threesome. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, King Fahad. I, I, I know we... King Fahad of Saudi Arabia. Right. And sure. then her young daughter was raped by George Bush. Now, it doesn't say junior or senior. I'm assuming it means H.W. Uh, <clears throat> and, not going to. Uh, not going to. <laughs> so, I know she was later... Uh, um, rescued by her intelligence insider husband mark phillips and uh she was able to escape the program and uh, see that's the thing that kind of programmed that to me lends a little credibility to her is her husband right it's not like he was working at mcdonald's no no no, no. i he, mean he was in the mix right um so, you know, for whatever reason, he felt like he needed to rescue her. Right. But... But read read some of these... Um, these... Um, her theories? Her... Her claims. Claims? Okay, so supposedly... Supposedly, she was forced by the CIA to participate in Project Monarch, which she claims is a subsection of Project MKUltra and Pro- Project Artichoke. So, the reason she was supposedly forced into doing this is she liked to have sex. No. Um, so uh, allegedly mm-hmm. she claims, and and the reason I say she claims this is because no one was ever convicted of what I'm about right. to say. So supposedly when she was a young girl, her dad took pornographic pictures of her, sexually abused her, her dad, not stepdad or, uncle or whatever not that that makes it any better but nonetheless um so supposedly he was mailing these pictures to someone to a friend or to someone of course this was back in the day of it's like you could not that emailing not that anything is good about this but uh somehow or another the cia or whoever discovered these pictures being mailed and I guess in the guides of this project, which it's it kind of is far fetched if if you think about it, but he, um, whomever in the CIA, approached the father and said, "Look, you're going to go to jail for this unless you can get her to go along with the program." And so supposedly he said, "Yeah, she's going to do it." You know, whatever. Now. The way I, I don't think it says it on here, but the, from the way I understand it, she was a kid. Like when I say she was a kid, she yeah, was she was good. She was a child. Yeah, you know, because she was born in what fifty seven. So mm-hmm. she was like ten. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe mm-hmm. younger when this happened. When when this happened, obviously when the father was doing whatever he was doing, she was probably younger. Right. But anyway, so according to O'Brien. When she was she was under hypnosis, she was able to recall memories of sexual abuse of both herself and her daughter by international pedophile rings, drug barons, and Satanists who allegedly use a form of trauma-based mind control programming to make her a sex slave. What I need to know is how do I do that? Oh, <laughs> not for little girls, but... 
Uh, O'Brien accuses a wide range of prominent individuals from American, Canadian, Mexican, Saudi Arabian government officials to stars of country music scene. Mm. Doesn't specify who. Damn Garth Brooks. <laughs> Thunder roll. <laughs> <laughs> I got friends. No. 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 What was the one you were singing earlier? George Strait. George Strait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. Being part of Project Monarch conspiracy to operate sex slave rings and commit child abuse, for example, O'Brien claims that George H.W. Bush and Miguel de la Madrid, uh, you know, that guy, mm-hmm. I don't know who is he, he is a Mexican politician. Mm. So he mm-hmm. served as the president of Mexico from 82 to 88. Oh, there you go. They used holograms to appear to her in altered form, saying that Bush apparently activated a hologram of a lizard-like alien, which he provided the illusion of Bush transforming like a chameleon before her eyes. Granted, that was just W getting up in the morning. (laughs) 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 Lizard Illuminati. (laughs) O'Brien claims Project Monarch caused her to develop multiple personality disorder, but but during alternate personality episodes, she has a photographic recall. O'Brien's transformation of American has been credited as uh, originating one of the most significant and extreme mind control conspiracy theories and her claim of links between satanic ritual abuse and MK Ultra influencer popular conspiracy culture. Um, religious and political scholars have criticized O'Brien's claims for lack of supporting evidence. Well, yeah, of course, because they fucking got rid of it all. So, when was the book? So, the book was written in 95. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my question. Okay, so, say whatever you want about this lady. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I kind of want to believe her because of her husband. Right. You know, because, you know, it's you would think he was kind of there. Um, but if you get past her... And look at some of the people involved. Look at the pedophile rings. Right. Look at the drug barons, Satanists. So, drug barons, whatever. So, I'm focused on the pedophile rings and the Satanist okay. aspect of what she's talking about. Okay. This was in the 90. 60s. By, well, I mean, she yeah, wrote the book, yeah. but I'm saying... 60s, 70s, right. Right. Um, fast forward to what we've talked about. I don't know. Did we get into any of this stuff on on any of the shows that we did earlier about um <laughs> Hillary Clinton speaking of which but more so the um Podesta the mm, no. Vanderbilt the if we did maybe just briefly I know we've yeah. talked about it maybe just briefly about the, the fact uh, that the Pizza Gate yeah and I, I, don't, I don't think we've ever I don't think that. we ever did that mm. but that's more of a, those allegations are more current, not like today, but... Now, if I'm not mistaken, the Pizzagate stuff didn't come out until a lot later on to like, what, in the 2000s? But that's my point. That's more current. Right. But who's to say it didn't start... Here. ...back then? Mm-hmm. And she was part of this. Mm-hmm. She was a child at the time, right? Right. These are powerful people. I mean, nowadays, because mm-hmm. we still see a lot of these people in, involved in... 
or I shouldn't say we right. see them involved, but we hear of them being involved. It's not like Bill Clinton being named by this lady was the first time we've heard Bill Clinton's name <laughs> right. involved with when, Lolita's. When, when, when did the uh, Monica Lewinsky thing take place? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know. Um, Bill? You, you, <laughs> Where was that? Do you have an idea? I try to forget that stuff. That was a good blowjob. Oh, I mean, 94, maybe? 95? Let's see. Uh, Monica Lewinsky gave Bill Clinton. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I'm still thinking about it. 95. She was a White House intern in 95 and 96. Uh, yeah. So, so that didn't come out till 95. Right. So it'd be interesting to see when that story came out about Monica, uh, Monica Lewinsky and when her book came out. When this chick's book came out? Mm-hmm. So you think Lewinsky was after the fact? Or if that had just become in the news... And now all of a sudden she writes in her book that Bill Clinton was one of the ones. Oh, that so yeah, so Lewinsky thing came out earlier, maybe. Right. Well, I, I don't know. It takes a minute to write a book. I, I understand that, but I'm saying, was he like a, a throw-in because he was a popular name to give it a little bit more credibility? Yeah, he just got caught doing this, so of course he was. Say, of course he was involved, right? <laughs> right. I swear to God, dude, I was just trying to get some pussy. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I, I, I'm not. I'm not dismissing her claims at all. I, I'm not saying whether she what she's saying is the truth or not. You know what I mean? Like I'm. Not, I'm not dismissing her claims. I'm well, just asking the question. I, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Lewinsky said she did do it with O'Brien. No. Lewinsky stated that she had nine nine times <laughs> sexual <laughs> encounters <laughs> in the Oval Office with Bill Clinton between November of '95. And March of 97. So this was probably 98. So probably after then. Yeah, this was, I mean, the book came out in 95. You would think that it, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so okay. Uh, trip began secretly recording telephone conversations in September of 97. Um, okay. Paula Jones case in 98. I, w- I was just trying to find a, maybe, you know, maybe a yeah, correlation. So, the news of Clinton Lewinsky relationship broke in January of '98. On January 26th of '98, Clinton stated, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. She just gave me a blowjob. <laughs> it's totally different. Doesn't count. It still counts, Bill. I didn't hail. She did. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, I got a bone to pick with you. What?" My Clinton is way better than fucking Posos. <laughs> I listened to that episode when you, were, to- when you were talking about that, and I was like, that's Jimmy Carter. I told you that you have a better Bill Clinton. He just throws a little bit of that Southern That's what Arkansas I said. His was, more, his was more Jimmy Carter. <laughs> hey, I'm picking peanuts. <laughs> Tiki. He's not quite, you know, you got to take a big hit off the Chiba before you can do that. You, you got to be able to talk like this. <laughs> brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it so anyway <laughs> getting Bill. back on subject here i'm uh, sorry i'm trying to keep this from being a three and a half hour episode damn it <laughs> too late <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, hey, i've only had three beers look, so right. I, i'm gonna say this about that the thing that lends credibility to this woman's claims to me is there is no and you know you just trying to research it and find it there can't find it there's no evidence that this project monarch ever took place except for this one thing 
and that is uh, CIA director at the time, William William Colby, was asked about it. Um, and he answered angrily, that program, that program stopped between the late 60s and early 70s. And that's all he would say on the matter. <laughs> in other words, it existed. Project Monarch existed in some form or fashion. Well, here's... Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. No, no, no. That that's it. That, okay, that right there. When somebody at least says something like that, that at least admits that there that there it was, existed. That there was a project she's, monarch. She's obviously not making shit up. There obviously was a project monarch. Uh, oh shit! Sh- <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> I just got a little ramped up here. Hold on. He, he's snotting. He's burping. I'm, he's I got him coming out of everywhere. I'm on on my computer. Mm-hmm. I'm on Google because I got Google Chrome, blah, 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 whatever. I Googled mm-hmm. Project Monarch. Okay. Nothing. The All only right. thing that came up was this chick, this um, Kathy O'Brien, Conan's girlfriend. No? no. Um, that's it. And, it. and it literally says Kathy O'Brien, conspiracy theorist. That's how it's titled Right. when you search it. When, you, when I didn't... Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Sorry, MK. the MK Ultra <laughs> <laughs> gives me gas. <laughs> I googled Project Monarch. What comes up? Now, granted, I uh, Monarch butterflies, uh, a movie, right? You know, all this shit comes up. Kathy O'Brien conspiracy theorist comes up. That's it, right? Now on my phone, uh huh. What's that in there, Burpee Boy? Oof, <laughs> oof. <laughs> I I duck it mm-hmm. on my phone. Mm-hmm. And what's the very first thing you see there? Project Monarch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not, that's not to get off on a whole nother tangent of government surveillance and I don't trust. I've become very cynical in the last two years of my life. Hmm. Uh, according to uh, people on Facebook now, I'm a, a Russian sympathizer. Hmm. So... That's the new racist. You're racist. Yeah, you know, you're, if, if you're you, rooting for Putin. Yeah, if you disagree with somebody, then you're 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 a Russian whatever operative. Hmm. Anyway, that's my point. I Google it. Nothing comes up other than the crazy lady. I duck it, and the very first <laughs> very first thing is about Project Project Monarch. Monarch. A project uh, article about Project. Oh, what is this here? Following article is from a conspiracy in secret societies. It's summary and conspiracy theory, not statement of fact. We just want to let you know it's not true. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, much of Project Monarch remains classified. There you go. That's all you need to know. It's classified. It's still classified. Um, from the information that has leaked out, it is easy to see why these mind control experiments were considered top secret. Project Monarch was officially began uh, by the U.S. Army in the early 60s. It is still classified top secret for, uh, top secret for a reason of national security. Why? Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't paint them in a good light. <laughs> Some researchers are quite certain that Monarch... <sighs> Sorry. Um, blah, blah, blah. Where am I? Project Monarch was officially began by the Army. Evolved from such M- MK Ultra uh, subprojects as Spellbinder. Mm. Have you heard of that mm, one? No. Established to create a Manchurian candidate, an assassin, 
and Operation Often, which explored black magic and the occult. Researcher Ron Patton theorizes that the name Monarch had nothing to do with royalty, but referred to Monarch Butterfly and the feeling out of their cocoon. Yeah, the feeling of lightheadedness, as if one were floating or fluttering like a butterfly. After undergoing uh, undergoing the trauma induced by electroshock, that you know, not for nothing, that could kind of explain why she's a little they deem her a little. Yeah, she's fucking little shot out, you know. Mm. See, I I figured they would have went with Monarch because they were creating these split personalities or personality disorders, and they would uh, start in this form. Right and and emerge emerge yeah. right that 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 would have been my thought but well, well, this guy there, he states that monarch was essentially about programming the mind modifying human behavior and placing its subjects into a a marionette syndrome hmm. a marionette is a puppet whose actions are determined by the puppeteer pulling on strings hence the <laughs> Biden it, well has it, Biden got marionette syndrome <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that she, I know in her claims or whatever, she said that they were there were certain phrases, there were certain phrases that they could say that would that would. I guess she would have certain personalities tied to certain phrases, so they right. would say a phrase and it would it would turn her to this, and if they said another phrase, and and that's very much like I was telling you with the movie The Manchurian Candidate. If you watch that, there was a phrase. They had a series of phrases that they would say to get them into that altered state. So, I mean, there, the things that she's saying, there is some credence that lends to that. But right. again, I'm I'm not here to say whether you know, hmm. whatever. I wish I would have found this article earlier. Huh. Anyway, too late. Yeah. Too late. Show's over. Quick. All right. <laughs> so I wanted to go into a couple of names of, of some people that may have had some dealings with MK Ultra. Uh, some names that I think people will be familiar with. Uh, during, can I interrupt you for one second? You're going to anyway. So what's the difference? Project Monarch. Do you know who started Project Monarch? Bill Clinton. It it was it was me. <laughs> I like the taste of young. Put- oh, <laughs> it sounds like something would be up his alley. Nazis. Well, yep, the Nazis did it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I'm sorry. I just popped up. Right. Project Monarch. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Started mm-hmm. in Germany. Started in Germany by the Nazis. There hmm. you go. And of course, we we kidnapped these. Si- well, I shouldn't say we kidnapped them. <laughs> hmm. We said it's our way or dead way. And they're like, cool. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's, I think it's fucked up. I think it's fucked up that any government, uh, Germany, ex- Russia, Japan, would China, war crimes, would, 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 well, not even that, but just would come up with these ideas of doing these things. Like, we're going to take little kids and we're going to do this. We're going to take these chemicals and do this. We're going to take this and do that. And then, well, when we bust them, when, or I should say we, when whoever, gets busted we make a deal with them so we can get that information well every every time i hear somebody say that they have um faith in humanity that they they don't believe stuff like this would happen or whatever i see stuff like this and i'm (laughs) 
your faith is misplaced because we as human beings do horrible, horrible, horrible well, stuff to one another. It's much like you said one time we were talking and you called me stupid. Hmm. And I was mad about that. No. Mm-hmm. You said, um, what was it that you said? I'm trying, I, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't recall exactly how you phrased it, but you said something to the effect of we are trained as human, at least in this country. I don't know about the rest of the world, but. We're trained in this country that there is a good and a bad, mm-hmm. right? There is there is a Superman and there is a Lex Luthor. We've been conditioned to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Any, most movies you see, especially back in the day, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, there was always a happy ending. Right. It was more, it's more recent now that you see movies where there might not be a happy, not all movies, but there might be those movies <clears throat> that, right. that ha- there's not a happy and ending. And when you watch those, how do you feel? You feel like shit because you're like, oh, that's fucked oh. up. <laughs> You right? know, because it's supposed to be happy, right? Or, or the or, good guys went supposed to win, right? Or you know, it's going to be oh, there's going to be a sequel to this because there really was no right, ending, right right, right? right? But we were always taught there's good a white right. hat and a black hat. There's right. a good cowboy. There's a bad cowboy. Like I said, there's a Superman. There's a Lex Luthor. There's always a good and evil, and good always wins over evil, right? Right. And you have said maybe there is no good or evil there's just different levels of or did you say different levels or just different forms of evil yeah like not to i know you want to talk about some stuff but no no go ahead not to um make this about trump and biden and hillary and clinton and whoever else it's like i have to go into his voice when i say his name (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you had said well maybe maybe trump isn't the the good white guy. hat the good guy the whatever he's mm-hmm. just a different level of a bad guy he's just not as bad as the other bad guys or i mean i can't remember how you you said it yeah but you no, know no, what i'm no. saying I, I look at as we've become um not necessarily this subject but just in general doing this podcast and talking and the things we've you and or i have looked up um and I have said this to people on Facebook. I don't trust, I don't give a shit who the president is or your congressman or your governor or whoever. I don't trust any of them. We talk about DeSantis being a great guy. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. He's better <laughs> He's better than some. Well, I, I think that's where we take actions rather than the words that they say. Right. DeSantis may or may not be a good guy, but he's doing what we perceive to be as right. The, the right things. Right. But it's like you look at what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I'm literally saying right now with this ass clown in the fucking White House. And with gas, like I talked about gas prices and oil and all this stuff, that's kind of been the subject the last week or so. And it's like they're they're literally laughing at you. Mm-hmm. over it you know mm-hmm. i mean that's the way i mm-hmm. feel about it it's kind of like buy an electric vehicle okay cool um <laughs> let me go drop 60 grand or whatever on a base model electric vehicle it's like there's no at least when i was younger it seemed like not that i follow politics when i was 10 but even like listening to your parents they didn't seem to bitch like we're bitching right <laughs> so I don't know. I, not to get off. I'm just. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I mean, it's true. You know, it's, it's just, it's just. You know, you really want to get into um, 
because I, <laughs> God, I really want to get into these guys, <laughs> these guys, but my, my ultimate, um, belief having, you know, looked at all this and, and, and looked into the researches, I don't think MK Ultra ever stopped. I think it evolved. Yeah, I'm sure it evolved. It, evolved. it went from drugs to, to, uh, electrical, Yes, you know these things right here. Exactly. Uh, that thing exactly. right there. This and, thing right well, there. L- like what I was telling you the other day. Uh, by the way, I guess I'm pointing, and Chris sees what I'm pointing. At. I'm pointing at my phone, the, the TV, TV, and my computer. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm pointing like people are watching. Right. We we oh, they I think they've learned a, a different way to to well and and it it's not so much mind control as it is mind suggestions suggestion. Well, they're altering your. Think, Perception. think about how life was back in the 50s, 60s. You really didn't have fast food. You didn't have... Prost- I mean, I shouldn't say you didn't have any of these things. But McDonald's, for example, in the 60s was a treat. Now we go to McDonald's. I've, granted, I, don't, I haven't, couldn't tell you the last time. I, but most people go to McDonald's in these places like it's... Okay, it's Tuesday. We're going to McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think, okay, <laughs> I used to think my stepdaughter was a little touched with some of the things she would say. And I'm like, that's crazy. But you hear about processed foods, for example, mm-hmm. potato chips, uh, anything, anything processed. And well, you should read the ingredients. And then they talk about, um, different ingredients being in, in different foods having an effect on children mm-hmm. at a at a young age. So like when we were kids, and, and we're not 90. Mm-hmm. So when we were kids, you didn't have the readily available snacks. Like you didn't have potato chips sitting on the counter when you were a child. I mean, I didn't because um, we were poor <laughs> mainly. But even if you did, what do we see a lot of times nowadays with kids, with little kids? You have a lot of issues with um, autism and different I don't want to say mental disorders, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that gets blamed on uh, vaccines. So like uh, whatever different vaccines you give to babies. Well, when we were kids, we're not that old that we didn't take those same vaccines and we're not, we're not like that. Okay. So a lot of people contribute autism and those mental Maybe disorders. The ingredients that we're placing on Right. To the, the chemicals. It's chemicals, chemicals is what it is. It's right. not, you're not growing vegetables in your backyard mm-hmm. and eating fresh corn and fresh whatever and eating Although meat. Although there's a lot of people that, that are doing it more right. so now. Right. But anyway. Well, so I, I'll say this about that. And and I'm talking about the things that we see on TV, the things that we see in movie. We're conditioned to think and believe certain things. Right. Just like when you, you know, you're talking about movies. When you watch a movie, you can identify the good guy and the bad guy, right? Because the good guy is generally wearing lighter colors. He mm-hmm. generally looks a certain way. The bad guy is generally wearing darker. darker colors. Generally, maybe has a you know maybe not so much now, but like you know, a little scruffy looking or looks well, like a I said, the white hat or, or the black hat or whatever. So we've been conditioned to see these things in in that spectrum. So that's why I'm saying I I think I don't think the program ended. I think the application changed right they changed okay we can't maybe drugs aren't the way to go maybe right. drugs aren't giving us the effect so what if we and i think mk ultra mixed with um project mockingbird 
I think they use these various things to meld them all into one to that they found a way to. Well, to let me use. ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think it. also in that sense of MK Ultra, not MK Ultra LSD, whatever, mm-hmm. but more of a hypnotic? I want to say like we're in a trance or whatever, where you get like you talked about movies, so you get into pop culture, mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. TV shows, where you you see. <laughs> the advent of uh, MTV, for example. Right. Like, when I was a kid, before MTV, you had the radio, you listened to music, whatever. Then when MTV came out, I was like, oh, wow, look, there's so-and-so. And there's there's a, video you with know, the music. And it's, oh, wow, this is great. But was that just another way? Well, I mean, even to the point where you watch a movie and they're drinking a, you know, an ice cold Pepsi or mm-hmm. a, a MK Ultra, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, or not MK Ultra, Mick, Mick Ultra. <laughs> Mick Ultra. <laughs> And you're you're watching said movie, and you're thinking, "Oh, that dude's cool as shit." Oh, look at he's drinking a Mick Ultra. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's eating you know Doritos. He's mm-hmm. you know, I want to be like him. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. It's all subli- it's, it's subliminal. Subliminal but- messaging. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and then not for nothing, these ab- these people, Doritos, Pepsi, whatever, they pay mm-hmm. for that product to be in the movie, right? You know, so you can. It's right. an advertisement. It's an advertisement. But it's it's a subliminal advertisement. Right, they're not sitting there saying drink ice cold Pepsi. But when you see it in the movie, you're all of a sudden you know yeah, I think Pepsi. Yeah, that beer looks or, pretty damn good. This we're going to get a beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's why I'm saying I th- I think it just evolved. It never went away. It just evolved. Well, with the with as TV, because um, you got to think when when MK Ultra first started, TV was new. You know, television was new. Right, as television involved into the 60s into the 70s it was uh hey you know what we could get past trying to dose people but we can send them shit through the airwaves yeah you don't have to physically touch them and they won't know that they're doing the things they're doing exactly it kind of goes into video games what was one of the biggest things when like uh grand theft auto and all these uh shoot 'em up games it was like oh it's because of the video games people are killing kids are doing this and and I'm like, that's bullshit. That's parents, whatever. But you could say it. Maybe it did desensitize some kids. Some kids, not all kids. I mean, my kids, my son played those games, and you know, he just got out of prison, so he's fine now. He's all right. oh all right. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. You got names for us. I got names. All right. So during the episode, you brought up one, which was Whitey Bulger. Right. Uh, who happened to be a uh, a uh, Boston Boston mob? Uh, he was actually talked about his time where he was taken down into the basement. He was offered the various things that I said before: uh, transfer to a a uh, minimum minimum security, uh, giving better uh, living conditions, accommodations, yeah. accommodations. Right? Um, he said that during his time. Uh, they would be into a paranoid state. He would have a total loss of appetite. Hallucinating, the room would change shape. Hours of paranoia and, and feeling violent. Uh, he said, we experienced horrible periods of a living nightmare, even blood coming out of the walls. Guys turning into skeletons in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane. Now, I want to say after all that, after he went through all this and endured all this, 
uh, he they actually ended up just like you said sending him to Alcatraz. Right. So he he got screwed in the deal. <laughs> I say screwed. I mean the guy was in there for a reason. Yeah, it was like it's he not was like a, he was a good guy. <laughs> right. It's like he didn't kill his share of people. <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> one of the other names I I, t- I told you that there's uh, some various um, uh, notorious names on here, and you actually guessed one of them. So Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, the Unabomber, Unabomber right? Uh, and, and, and there's no actual proof that it was anything to do with MK Ultra. But while he was enrolled at Harvard, you have to remember he actually graduated uh, when he was 16. So he enrolled into college. Uh, I think he was what uh, he maybe just turned 17 when he enrolled at Harvard. Right. <laughs> in college, uh, they were actually doing a psychological study. Now this was back in the what late 50s, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, because he's a, he's he's kind of an older guy, right? Um, but he enrolled at a in a psychological study uh, that was conducted by Doctor Henry Murray. Okay, uh, Henry Murray had no background, had no training uh, in psychology or being a psychologist. So the fact that he <laughs> he was enrolling in a psychological study from someone that had no uh, essential training, but what he did have a background in is working. Uh, for the OSS, which was the actual precursor to the CIA. Right. Hmm. And he had a background in interrogation techniques, uh, such as hypnosis and sensory deprivation. Uh, from my understanding, the study uh, was to take uh, these students that volunteered. Now, they, all, they were all volunteers for this study. They took them in and then had them write like a paper or a thesis on something. And then they would actually take and and uh, well, they were told that they were gonna they were gonna like pair up. So it was two students. One would write a paper on something, a thesis, whatever, and right. the other one would berate them and tell them why their thesis was wrong and how stupid they are, and 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 just really aggressively uh, challenge their ideals, right? To see how a person a person would perform under stress and how it would affect their personality, how it would affect their so they actually did this to Ted Kaczynski, and which was which was strange because uh, instead of breaking him down, it actually uh, created more resolve in him that he was right. Well, it's interesting. I'm reading this. So um, went into Harvard at age 16, right? Earning a PhD in mathematics with a thesis so complex, even his professors couldn't understand it, right? One member of his dissertation committee stated that there might have been perhaps only 10 people in America who could either understand or appreciate its exotic complexity. Kaczynski was a full full professor at age 25 Mm -hmm. when the CIA recruited him and a dozen other brilliant young minds at Harvard for their MKUltra program, subjecting them to what may be Generously term ethnically questionable experiments in mind control, behavioral modification. Go right. Ahead. No, 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 no. That that's essentially what happened here. So there, you know, he claims not because he's been asked about it. You know, he's in in interviews and stuff, and he claims that this had no effect on him whatsoever. You right. can't help but think that it did because we're not just talking about. I'm just you know, yeah, you're stupid. You're whatever, like. Legitimately questioning his ideas, his his you know, right? His, it, it doesn't his sound bad, but it it was a lot of well. When you're when I would assume when you're this smart, right? And people are calling you stupid, 
and you're dosed up with all this crap. I mean, he was on LSD, uh, ecstasy, <laughs> um, and other psychotropic drugs. <clears throat> yeah, I, I imagine it fuck with you. Be- I didn't. I didn't know this. And you're and you're and you're talking about a young guy. You're not talking about the normal. 18, 19, 20-year-old person at well, college. You're talking about somebody 16 years old. Right. Still developing brain. brain. Well, w- what when the Unabomber came about, right? When, when I remember being in high school and then posting the, uh, the picture. Oh, round five? <laughs> uh, of, of, the, of the guy that, in my opinion, looked nothing like Ted Kaczynski. Looked like uh, Tom Selleck with a hoodie on. You know what I'm saying? With the and and Ted was never. Uh, he wasn't much of a looker. He was you know? confused with uh, Tom Selleck. No, I mean, um, yeah, I'll take another if you're buying. <laughs> uh, but he did what he did from the '70s to the '90s. So it was a 20 year reign of terror. So you got to think he was fresh out, right? Of of whatever, and went fucking crazy. Well, you, you, yeah. With Ted Kaczynski, it's kind of weird because you know I, we don't know much about psychology, but you would have to imagine somebody so brilliant like you just described <laughs> that very he had very a very hard time finding somebody that could relate to him. You, right. you know what I'm saying? Because he was kind of like level. when I'm talking to you. Right. <laughs> but um I mean that's how you feel when you're talking to me. <laughs> he can't relate to anything I'm saying. He's so uh, stupid. <laughs> um you, you know what I'm saying? Like that probably developed his his personality a little bit. Well, and there are people like that. Like I've I've met people that are I say they're too smart for their own good. Right. And they have no common sense. They have they have no relatable personality right and then when you put him in a room with other smart people like you put him in a room with other smart people and you know they're smart so like if you were put in a room with people of equal intelligence like let's say you took an iq test and and your number was whatever and you were put in a room with people with equal number but they might be smarter about different things right so if you question them or they question you you might feel inferior to, you know, so I'm assuming it's that, and the and when I say our IQ versus him, is like our IQ combined versus his. Right. <laughs> no, he was a certifiable genius. Right. So, anyway, yeah, I. So I don't I don't know whether this had anything to do. I just found it interesting that his name popped up along with the MK Ultra. Well, stuff. I, yeah, I did too because I was I would have never made that connection. I, like I said, what I knew of the Unabomber was when shortly before he was caught. Right. Because I'm guessing in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s is when it was kind of really ramping up. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, I had no idea it was going on since the 70s. Well, right. he was fucking touched in the head, you know. And I I, I wish I would have thought about it and pulled up his manifesto. Well, you know, we always joke about, uh, I always tell you, you know, if you've ever read his manifesto, you know, some of the ideas he had was not wrong. Uh, his delivery uh, could have used a little bit of work. Maybe not, you know, blowing sending bombs in the mail and blowing right. people up. Uh, but he's talking. He was talking about very much kind of the things that we 
talk about being problems in the world of, of it turning to a technocratic society. Right. And it being the downfall of uh, humanity. Well, because he was talking about the advent of like cell phones and computers and whatnot. <laughs> so I, as I've told you before, he wasn't exactly wrong with some of the things he was saying. It was uh, his delivery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I mean, I've always said this this thing right here, this this phone is the best worst invention ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is and I, I'll say this about that. I think where we went wrong with these devices with these cell phones is when we made them computers. Well, I I think they were made to exactly what they want needed well, they, to be made to. They this is your MK Ultra of the new world. Mm-hmm. Because when cell phones first came out, like when I had my first cell phone, and I'm not even talking about when like you had those big ass bricks and shit. I'm talking about when I had a cell phone I could put in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, where is it at? It's in this room somewhere. <laughs> this wasn't my first cell phone, but right. no, no, I had a Nokia, I, I whatever. Yeah, I don't flip, know where I big put flip it. phone. Not even a flip phone, right there. You oh, see, yeah, yeah. see that one right there yeah, with the gator, yeah. the right. cool ass gator cover yeah. on it? Yeah. But all I could do on that thing was make a phone call. Right. Hey, what's up? How's it going? What are we right. doing? Cool. All right, see you later. That I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. This okay. this right here, and I say this not saying I'm like I'm gonna throw it away. I'm gonna get like I told you when we, we were in the the uh, Verizon the other day, and I was like, I'm looking at these flip phones. I say that ha ha ha, and then in the next sentence, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's on Facebook. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, look at the TikTok. Mm-hmm. What's Chris sending me? Well, oh, oh, look at that fat ass on that. Yeah, 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 but oh, but let me ask you this: mm-hmm. What's the next level of that? Implants? I mean, not implants, but chip implants. Neuralink? <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the What's the uh, Facebook thing? Metaverse? <laughs> Meta- transhumanism? <laughs> well, we talked about that. <laughs> so, there you go. So, as I was saying, he wasn't exactly wrong. Right. Anyways, the name, remember, I asked you, and you, you actually threw out Ted Kaczynski. This is the guy that I was thinking about. Jim Jones. The honky tonk singer from Jim Jones from James uh, from, from Jonestown, the, the Flavor Aid fame, Flavor Aid fame. <laughs> so believe it or not, he actually um, had some ties to the CIA. Believe it or not, <laughs> there's been some questioning of how he was able to get copious amounts of cyanide, right? Because you're talking um, that is a lot of people, thousand. Well, 908, I think, was the final total. Okay. Um, there's some there's some real interesting surroundings around that. Anybody that's never listened to the Jones or knows anything about the Jonestown type stuff. Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen the picture? Of Joan, of Jane, uh, Jim Jones? Uh, no, of the people. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're everywhere. Well, here's what's interesting about that. When the when they were first found by the uh, uh, Guyana... Uh, Guyana. Guyana. Thank you. Um Soldiers, right? They they counted two hundred. <laughs> I could glance at this picture and see more than two hundred people. Right. What do you mean? <laughs> You're looking at me like. Uh, right. Well, when they got there, that's that's all they counted was two hundred bodies. So what happened? Hmm. Indeed. Anyway, <laughs> I hate when he does that shit. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> Did, did you just answer my question? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, on the tape, there's actually there, what they call the death tapes, where you can actually hear Jim Jones uh, trying to talk these people into committing suicide. Right. Um, 
you can hear him at one point on the tape saying, get Dwyer out of here. We need to get Dwyer out of here. Okay, he's actually talking about this guy, Dwyer, who was a, if I'm not mistaken, he was like a U.S. embassy worker. There has been some speculation that this guy actually worked for the CIA because for anybody that doesn't know the story, there was a there was a senator that came down to check the conditions because he had received some, uh, I, I think, like a letter from a guy saying that, you know, his family members are being held essentially hostage down here, you know, like it's whatever. So they were coming to check the conditions. Uh, they got real nervous about it or whatever. There were some people that kind of slipped some notes to this this uh, senator that was down here. Right. Checking it out. And uh, so when they were actually leaving, Jim Jones had a stowaway who actually killed the senator and 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 killed them all, you know, before they could get back because he knew they were going to go report exactly what they were doing down right. here. So if he was willing to kill a U.S. senator, or was it a senator or a congressman, some, something like that, yeah. um, what what would he give a shit about a, a embassy worker? Right. Right. So a lot of people have speculated that this Dwyer guy was actually a CIA operative. Uh, operative, or, right. yeah, and maybe he was. So, uh, a professor at UC Berkeley actually sent this reporter a paper that was entitled "The Penal Colony," and it was stating that MK Ultra had not ended in 1973 as the CIA testified to Congress, but it was instead taken out of the hospitals and prisons. And moved into religious cults, right? So you know, you you look at what Jim's Jones, <clears throat> sorry, Jim Jones was able to do with all these people. How he was able to control them, not just mind control, but he was he used drugs, he used psychological um, torture, he used physical torture, he used sexual torture or sexual. Um, Manipulation, right? Where do you think he learned to do all these things? Because doesn't this seem like something very much like what in, we just talked about? San Francisco at the. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, right? So I, I found that a, an interesting tie. Now, whether you know, there's no concrete information saying that Jim Jones worked for the CIA or had any connections to the CIA. Just found it very interesting, and, and you find somebody that was willing to, or able to. We, with the official narrative, he was able to talk nine hundred people into killing themselves. Right, I'd say that's pretty suggestible. Uh, so, kind of guy. interesting point about that. So, mm-hmm. what what is a phrase that uttered that everyone utters? Don't drink the Kool Aid. Right, and then what what was actually drank it? Flavory. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting, right? The, I, I always tell you the yeah. flavoring people are like, damn it! <laughs> no, 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 no! Oh wait, shit! Damn it! It's not the publicity that you want, but hey, there's no such thing as bad press, right? <laughs> All right, so I you want take a quick break? You want to take a quick break? And I'm going to come back with two other names, and I'm wondering if you've ever heard of them. All right, so I guess we'll be back in uh, uh, just a brief moment. Chris has to go use the little boy's room. Please. No. (laughs) You'll sit there in your pee pants and you'll like it. Okay. (laughs) 
All right. And we're back. <laughs> Did you make it? I made it. All right. Just in time. <laughs> Just in time. All right. All right. So I've got two more names for you. All right. Real quick, I have a question. Yeah. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Why did he do it, man? Why did he no. do it? So we were just talking off air. Mm-hmm. Off air? Off recording? Off, off recording. <laughs> Is he still alive? Mm-hmm. Why did he do it? Good question. Well, so, you know, a, a lot of people said that that he was, and I mean, granted, he had a very inflated self-ego of... Of self? Yeah. You know, um, that he probably just couldn't bear the thought of, of losing all his... Followers. Right. And he knew that once that... Uh, that the, 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 I'm thinking it's a senator for some reason, but, I mean, it could be a congressman, whatever. Once he was killed, he pretty much knew... His uh his time was over because I mean he had free reign and he was doing all sorts of shit. Right. It, I mean it was it was not good conditions down here. He was working the people like well, twenty hours a day. He ignorant. Was... So Guyana <laughs> is that in Africa or is that South America? South America. Okay. Yeah. And um, he uh got these people to follow him down there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was in Texas or whatever. All right. And um, I I still think like you were saying was it. Was it a plot to test these people, but by, by by hard labor and well, just how far you could control a group of people? Right. Eh, interesting. I mean, I don't know much about him other than and I would the basics. Be, right, and I, it's a very interesting story if we ever want to delve into something like well, that. I it's, think what's interesting about all of this is, okay, I remember I knew a little something something about MK Ultra and you heard about mind control and you heard about mm-hmm. and more so with the MK Ultra was more about like Sirhan Sirhan. Right. That was kind of the biggest thing. Right. But to name these other people that we're talking about, it's like, what the fuck? Right. I mean like Ted Kaczynski to me was one of the biggest things. Jim Jones, okay. Kind of like why, but you know, was it like a test subject? Okay, well, this is what you, we need you to do and he did it. So you have more well, names. And, and the thing about that um, I would be interested to find out is any of these other uh, other cult leaders, like David Koresh. Right. Were they part of it, too? Because they're saying that they moved the program from schools, hospital, prisons to cults. Right. Uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. Right. You know, I, it would be interesting to see some of these people's backgrounds and, and exactly what went on there. Yeah, I mean, but that's anyway. That's a good thought. <clears throat> so, the next name, uh, everybody should know. Don Q. Exactly. Hey, how's that? I found that? you out. How's that beer? <laughs> Charles M- Manson. MC McGillicuddy. Charles oh. Manson. <laughs> Charlie Mack, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we kind of we kinda hinted upon it. With this um, this Lewis West, this Jolly West guy, right? Who so um, in the MK Ultra, we were talking about that they were opening these various facilities, these uh, safe houses, pads, uh, joints, whatever you want to call them, 
they actually opened up a uh, free medical clinic in the neighborhood of the um, uh, uh, Haight-Ashbury area of San Francisco. Okay. And so it was kind of like a crash pad, kind of like a hippie... Um, Hippie pad, you know. Right. And it it was known to give out free drugs, whatever. And I know Manson stayed or visited these various places, especially the medical clinic. Uh, And, you know, of course, his family and followers and stuff would go there for the women that, you know, and guys that would get various uh, STDs and whatnot. Right. Because they could get free treatment. So, you know, it's kind of been posited that that this Jolly West actually met with Manson while he came to the clinic. Okay. And now jo- Jolly West is the guy that uh, convinced Ruby. Hmm. Or he he was the one that uh, psychologically evaluated Jack Ruby, and then Ruby went off his rocker. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, needless to say, let's see. Um, Uh, yeah, the Manson family regularly came through this clinic, and another psychiatrist who worked at, on mind control experiments with West even embedded himself into the cult for several months. West was deeply connected with the Manson case, but was strangely absent from the trials. This was even more strange considering that he often took every chance he could to speak as a witness in cases where a brainwashing expert was needed. Many of the files detailing what happened during the Project MKUltra were destroyed shortly after the public learned of the program's existence, so the extent of West's research may never be known. Now, much in the same uh, tone of James uh, of Jim Jones, um, here you have a charismatic person that's getting some people to, to do some horrendous shit. Um... Did he learn some of these mind control, mind altering, using drugs, using sex, using combination of, yeah. of where, all the above? Where did he learn to to do this? You know, you look at Charlie Manson's upbringing. You know, he was a uh, pretty much spent his life in and out of of prison. Uh, growing up, he was always kind of just a a um, into trouble, right? But nothing in his background would lead you to believe that he's this charismatic person that could could get all these uh, young girls and you know even to some extent some of these these uh, guys to follow him. So I was just <clears throat> you know we're talking about techniques in hypnosis. We're talking about right. techniques in 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 mind control and and well, wasn't correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. and. You might look at me like I'm crazy, mm-hmm. like you normally do. Mm-hmm. Wasn't one of the Beach Boys involved with him? Yeah, wasn't that Brian Wilson? Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't think he was involved necessarily. I know Charlie Manson was. He fancied himself as a as a rock and uh, roller, right? Yeah, and so I know he tried to get Brian Wilson to sign off on some of his songs, like you know, kind of trying to get produced. Essentially, do you want to know someone that covered one of his songs? Who's that? I did. Did you? No. Uh, the uh, Guns N' Roses. Hmm. I actually covered a Charlie, Charles Manson song you know, on the Spaghetti Incident album. Uh, that's why it was an absolute failure. Hmm. It's actually a good song. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
some of his songs weren't bad. Down on the farm. Yeah. Some of the songs weren't bad. Anyway. Uh so gay sex, right? No. Right. Uh out of curiosity, I didn't do it on my computer because I knew the Googleizer wouldn't allow it. Mm-hmm. David Koresh. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. CIA uh gunrunner. Hmm. Into Mexico. Hmm. That would so, be that would be something interesting to look into. Allegedly. It's something to look into. Right. Because <laughs> I just said it on a whim. Yeah, you were just yeah. It's true. We that name has not come out of either one of our mouths. I found this and that, um, which kind of makes you wonder why the FBI and all these people went in. Why they wanted him so bad? Yeah, and how did the ATF know what they knew? Why? Why would you think that this religious leader, you know, supposedly had all these guns? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so uh, two Branch Davidian Village members had been able to back into Pentagon CIA FBI Black Ops database and discover that the CIA, with uh, utilization of CIA's Buffalo Airlines, were daily transferring cocaine, laundering money. Special operation agents kidnapped children for the CIA pedophile programs and arms. Let me ask you a question. Huh. And I, I, I'm asking this genuinely. What good has the CIA ever done? <laughs> because nothing. <laughs> I mean, I'm beginning to see why Kennedy said it needed to be abolished. Yeah, the the CIA, for <laughs> lack of a better term, is stupid. Are Central they? intelligence. Well, or <laughs> they're too smart for their own good. Hmm. Supposedly, the thing that kills me about the CIA. Is the CIA killed? No. <laughs> is depending they, on what you say, they might. Yeah. <laughs> Johnson. Yeah. So anyway, take this. Down. Uh, we're done, right? Okay. No, <laughs> no but um, supposedly, the CIA is not supposed to run any operations on U.S. soil. Uh, all of so far, all I and have everything seen. we've talked about for two hours <laughs> is on U.S. soil. It. Uh, for 20 well, years. with the exception of Jim Jones, or Jim, well, Jim Jones, hmm, Jim Jones, right? With the exception of him being in well South America, whatever. If, if. well, I'm just saying, well, the the incident happened down there. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm saying if he was involved. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying. FBI, open up! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's the FBI, not the CIA. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, so it's um, you gotta <laughs> once again you have to believe that they do, mm-hmm. but everything we've seen they don't. Mm-mm. You know. Well, and then when well you're talking about the fact that they're gun running, drug running. Yeah, for Bush. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway. Well, and, well, and I, I think I touched on this on one of the shows where I was talking about $1,000 toilets. And, you know, you look at budgets for the for the U.S. government, and it's like, why does everything cost so much for the U.S. government? Well, it's because the toilet they put in the White House might only cost, you know, $100, but they charge 2000 to have it put in so they can take the other 1800 and put it towards black ops. CIA fund, you know, and CIA, we know... Of the CIA, we know. Uh, we've heard the letter CIA. 
we've heard the letters FBI, we've heard NSA, we've heard, but we there's letters we've never heard of oh, yeah. operating, mm-hmm. and and what we do know of CIA, NSA, all these, we don't know shit mm-hmm. other than the oh CIA, mm-hmm. oh, Central, you know, mm-hmm. look it up, oh, mm-hmm. NSA, oh, okay, yeah, it's all bullshit, right? And it's all under the guise of. <laughs> of puking in your mouth, <laughs> of national security. Nasser, yeah, national security. Yeah. So you mean to tell me, MK Ultra? What does that got to do with national security? Because as far as I can tell, nothing was done. Okay, so if you said, okay, we're doing these things to under the guise of national security, but we're testing it out on Americans to see how it works. Yeah, but y'all weren't supposed to know about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's but, the difference. So my question is this. Did they use it on anyone that wasn't American? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they were they were still conducting tests in these different facilities that they had. I know, but... You know. These different camps, these different... Because that's where it all started. It started off of U.S. soil. Right. It's only once the people that wanted it to happen gained power... Then they brought it. Then they brought it here, so it would be a little bit closer. Right. And obviously, it wasn't just held at Fort Detrick. Right. Because we're talking about New York City. We're talking about well, they had to California. Go to, we're talking about well, who else knows where else. They're sending it to universities. Well, They're sending I think it, it to prisons kind of, and hospitals. Kind of, and, well, because think about what they were doing. It'd be kind of hard to bring hookers and crack into Fort Detrick. Whereas in New York... <laughs> would it? Man, I'm just saying. <laughs> in New York and San Francisco, you have these people just roaming around. You got horrors well, roaming around the streets. Well, it's easy you're finding, to... you're finding unwitting people right you got you got a whore on the corner you know and they're men folk laying their trick money down why do you have to call them whores they are professional and them shaking their tail feather for the men folk laying the rent money down <laughs> one time during the war anyway I, i'm just i'm just saying i'm just i'm just trying to find some good that they have done in the world nothing i mean i i good enough I good enough know. for me I'm yeah. convinced. I'm sure someone could say, "Oh, they did this, that, and the other thing." Sure, but they they probably keep us out of. I'll, I'll they say they probably keep us out of war. Oh, I'll shit. say this about that: I think they do more bad than they do. If they do any good, they definitely do more bad than they do good. Well, I got to think on some level that they're they're doing something other than just this. I, one would hope. Yes. All right. So the last name you actually brought it up earlier. Hey, what did I do? <laughs> and this should be near and dear to your heart. Oh, John Lennon. John Lennon. And Mark David Chapman. Who's he? Oh. <laughs> I think you should know who he is. So, John Lennon, how is he involved? Other not, than... Not John Lennon so much. Oh, the... Mark David the Chapman. The killer. hmm So, uh, Chapman had a... Um, I mean, you know, standard childhood, maybe, you know, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> kind of a, kind of a, I don't want to say he was an outcast, but just kind of a, kind of a, a little bit of a druggie, like a drug head, whatever, growing right. up. Uh, always kind of seemed to gravitate more to younger people, like feeling more comfortable around younger people. Okay. I'm not saying he was a pedophile or anything like that. I'm just saying he felt more comfortable being around younger so he began to do a lot of charity work. He worked for the YMCA with kids. Um, and for all intents and purposes, said he you know, did a great job at that. 
So he's still looking for something in his life, still, you know, whatever. Moves on to World Vision. You know what World Vision is? Mm. Huh. It's a TV show? Sounds, mm. like a, sounds like a TV show, doesn't yeah. it? Welcome to World Vision with your host, Mark David Chapman. So World Vision International is an evangelical Christian humanitarian aid development and advocacy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Advocacy. Thank you. Organization. It prefers to present itself as a interdenominational and also employ staff of non-evangelical Christian denominations. It was founded in 1950 by Robert Pierce as a service organization to meet emergency needs of missionaries. So basically they go and do missionary things in different refugee They'd countries. be missionary. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> no, well, I mean, they set up these little camps, kind of like, for, okay, for instance, you got the Ukrainian refugees leaving Ukraine right now. Right. World Vision would be like one that would set up these camps or whatever. Help them get in the Poland or wherever. Right. Right. Okay. But their their point was to kind of spread Christian humanitarian aid, right? Right. <clears throat> right. <laughs> so, do you know who happened to be the head of World Vision at the time that Mark David Chapman would have joined? Jim Jones. Close. Bob Jones. Yes. <laughs> John Hinckley Sr. Hmm. Interesting. Now, for anybody that doesn't know why that name sounds familiar. Okay, see. Uh-huh. Huh. John Hinckley Jr. was the man that actually took shots at President Reagan. Right. All right. So we'll get, in, we'll get into John Hinckley Jr. in a minute. Okay. Let's stay with Mark David Chapman for a minute. All right. So... Mark David Chapman worked for World Vision International at a refugee camp in Laos. I've also heard it was Beirut. Um, oh, yeah. He had also done similar work in Lebanon. So not much is known during this time. What happened while he was there, whatever. Right. After he returns, he becomes very paranoid, depressed, and seems like his life's falling apart. His relationship with his girlfriend falls apart, whatever. Seems like his life is just taking a downward spiral. Right. So, you know, as one does, he decides to take a trip to Hawaii. Of course. Because <laughs> that's what you do, right? Life sucks. Everything sucks. Going to Hawaii. Right. Let's gotcha. go to Hawaii. So, while in Hawaii, he uh, essentially tries to kill himself. He takes his car, takes a hose, <laughs> extends it from the uh, exhaust is... pipe and in through the window. And and who who is this now? Hinkley? No, this is Mark David Chapman. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, you're in paradise. You're in Hawaii. <coughs> so, you know. Might as well kill yourself. Kill yourself, right. In the rental, I'm assuming. Mm, I would assume. He didn't He didn't drive it over there. Yeah, was, <laughs> how did he get there in the car? That's a one hell of a bridge. So, needless to say, he was hospitalized um, for a little bit, right? Okay. Uh, once he gets out, he uh, decides to book a trip around the world, Right. Like you do. Like you do. Hey, Hawaii didn't wasn't doing it for me. Life sucks. I'm going to Hawaii. Well, you know what? I think I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I didn't. Well, when you don't succeed, try and go around the world. Right. So here's what's interesting. So he books this flight, uh, this trip around the world, and he takes his travel agent with him. 
like, like you, you do. do. <laughs> now, hey, uh, I'm going to go on a trip around the world. You want to go? You want to come? <laughs> sure. sure. All right. So, just okay. Hold on. I have a question. <laughs> sure. What the fuck did this dude do for a living? Good question. I mean, look, I got that kind of cheddar. I'm gonna go to Hawaii. Huh. Now I'm gonna go around the world because you know I just have that kind of cheese. Good question. Okay. Were Were you hoping I would ask that question? Oh yeah. Okay. Good question. A lot of people have wondered the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking, I can't go. I can't go to Hawaii the, right I, now. I can't go down. And the I got street. a stable job. <laughs> <laughs> this dude comes back from missionary work, and all of a sudden he's taking trips to Hawaii and trips around the world, <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Like you do. So needless to say, he takes his. Tri- what was that missionary work? Let me write that down. <laughs> Are they hiring? Uh, Laos and Beirut. Oh. <laughs> Was it missionary work, or was he doing clandestine mm, business? Mm, mm. Uh, it's just interesting that he came back from his time of doing working for World Vision, and he comes back, and it just seems like everything's spiraling for him. Okay. And he's super so, rich. So essentially what he's having, he's uh. having kind of like an identity crisis, okay? So <clears throat> he's very um, obsessed with this book in particular. And it's called Catcher in the Rye. Okay. And essentially, anybody that doesn't know what Catcher in the Rye is, it's it's a book about this um, this young teen, this uh, uh, what's his name, Holden Caulfield, right? Okay. And hmm. he he um, he takes this trip. It's it's kind of like a coming of age story, right? About him kind of getting upset with the phoniness of the adult world. Okay. Okay. And he he essentially sees as he's growing up, it's like you know life sucks. <laughs> Life's not getting any as becoming an adult. It's not like your your life gets any easier, but you begin to to see the fakeness in people. Right. Okay. So essentially, he's obsessed with this book. And, um, uh, so anyway, I think this is where it kind of stems from. He's starting to see all this stuff. So he kind of thought like Hawaii was going to be paradise, right? He gets there and kind of sees Hawaii's fake. It's not solving his problems. It's, right. If life's not getting better just because you take a trip to Hawaii. Right. Well, cause he probably envisioned Hawaii being how it, how you envision Hawaii to be and found out it's just as fucked up as everywhere else. You right. Know. Right. So anyways, now he's booking a trip around the world because... You know, hey, maybe there's some other place out there, right? You know, if I'm visiting other places, maybe I'm going to find what I'm looking for. So he takes his travel agent with him, who happens to be Japanese. Okay. On this trip, this then from Sports Center. <laughs> uh, on this trip, he actually marries said travel agent, who, as I stated, was Japanese. Right. Right. Uh, so they get back from the trip. <clears throat> and he actually gets a job at the same hospital where he was a patient. He's working at, like in the basement at, at this printing press. Okay. All right. And uh, so he's working there for a little bit, whatever. And on his last day of working, he signs out as John Lennon. Right. I remember hearing about that. Right. Okay. So now he's beginning to kind of mirror his life after John Lennon. You see he's got a wife. 
a Japanese wife, mm-hmm. an Asian wife. Right. I'm sorry. I'm I'm reading something that's freaking me the fuck out. Go ahead. <laughs> he's he's got a an Asian wife now. Right. He's got he's, his own Yoko. He's got his own Yoko. All right. He's starting to envision himself as John Lennon. Like my life would be, you know, what would you know? And he starts having these thoughts, kind of like, well, what if I'm actually John Lennon and John? He's copying me. I'm like, not saying the dude was right in the head. Like, okay, like, like you, you do. do, right? I mean, because let's see, John Lennon was probably pushing forty at oh, this point. Well, I mean, this this dude's not. A young man. Oh, I mean, okay. He's, he's like in his 30s. I okay, think. I thought so he was in his point. 20s. No, no, no. Well, maybe. Well, let's see. Maybe. But anyway, um, you can kind of see. Did I mention he did a lot of drugs growing up? Um, Makes sense. Right. Anyways, he's he's having an identity. You know, he's having these thoughts, right? So he's obsessed with this book, Catching the Rye. He's obsessed with John Lennon. And he starts trying to mirror mirror his life. He begins to see, uh, he, so they leave Hawaii. Okay, they come back. I was about to say back to the states, but they they come back to to mainland to mainland. And he starts kind of see because at this point John Lennon had become uh, he was living here in the U.S. He was living in uh, what yeah he had a. You know, his apartment at, what did you say, the Dakota, right. whatever. So he's seeing John Lennon living this life, but he's singing these songs about being the everyday work, what, the blue collar. What was what was the song that, that uh, John Lennon had talking about? I have no idea. Being the, well, I mean, he was singing songs about being the. Just regular, everyday. Everyday Joe. Yeah. But yet he's living in this. He's rich. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. he was like richer than rich. <laughs> right. And he's famous. He's rich. He's right. you know, but but he's trying to portray himself as this everyday Joe. So you know, he kind of starts to view John Lennon as being fake. a phony, yeah, a fake. And it's that's I think that's where it's kind of tying in with this book. He's very much seeing it as in everyone's fake, everyone's phony, right? And so he begins to think to himself, you know, what 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 would happen if I killed John Lennon? You know, and he he said over time that kind of meld into I'm going to kill John Lennon. Right. So he starts having these thoughts. He starts having these plans of how he would do it. And uh, so you know, he comes to the that day. He actually has a copy of Double Fantasy. And on his way out of the building, he actually stops and signs. Uh. Chapman's copy of Double Fantasy. Right. That's that's the name of the right album. Double. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, so Lennon goes wherever with Yoko, and I, I can't remember what he did or where he went or whatever. But essentially, Chapman just waits around the apartment, and he said, uh, "So Lennon, Lennon pulls up in his uh, limousine." Right. He gets out. Yoko gets out first, and I think she passes by and actually nods to him and said, Lennon looked him right in the eyes, and he said, to him, he knew. Now, whether this is true or not, you know, this is coming from the... Crazy man. (laughs) Right. But he said... um, You had to kill me. (laughs) He said, right before he shot Lennon, he said a voice in his head started saying, do it. 
Do it. Do it. Do it. Over and over and over and over. Right? And so he does. He he shoots him, I think, five times. And I think the, the fatal shot was actually in the throat. Right. Which is, you know, kind of kind of uh symbolic of the fact that that Lennon was kind of like a voice of the people, right. so to speak. So um right after he shoots Lennon, you know, you you you'd think you'd be like jetting out of out of uh Yeah, you're like I gotta get the fuck out of here. Out of here. Right. <laughs> I just I just shot John Lennon, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> no, he puts the gun down and he actually sits down on the curb. And he pulls out his uh, copy of Catcher in the Rye and begins reading it until the police come. Like, like you do. Like you do. Um, the The police officer that interviewed interviewed him said it almost seemed like he was flat, like he had no emotion. And to this day, Chapman claims he doesn't remember actually shooting Lennon. <laughs> he couldn't tell you how many bullets were in the gun he couldn't tell you how many times he fired so it's almost like a sirhan sirhan situation so my question is this now he he makes no bones about the fact that he shot lennon it's not a situation of him saying i didn't do it right but okay. but he's saying he doesn't remember the incident itself he remembers right up to it right but doesn't and i guess he, you could say well, maybe he blacked out maybe whatever Could've. but here's my question mm-hmm. let's assume that MK Ultra Manchurian candidate, whatever. Let's assume he was part of that. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, I know you've we've talked about it before, right? And the fact that John Lennon, I think they felt was very much a threat. And and somebody actually brought up another interesting thing. You know, Nixon did not like John Lennon very much. Right. As a matter of fact, he wanted him out of the country. Mm-hmm. He wanted him to go back. He to, wanted to uh, deport him. Did you know that John Lennon was only 30 days from being able to get his U.S. citizenship? Before he was Before he murdered. was shot. Well, it's interesting. So, Double Fantasy album, which I believe is behind you, uh, signed by John Lennon with his blood on... No, I'm joking. Mark? <laughs> I actually got it from an auction. Mark did. No. Um, so, he did a couple songs... You know, John Lennon. He did did a couple songs. Right. You know, one or two. One or two. But anyway, he did a song, and it's interesting. It made me think about this when we're talking about Lennon. Um, I was listening to Bon Gino today, and he was he yells the phrase in everything that's going on today. And it, and he was talking about Saki. And I made this same similar comment on the show I did on uh, Wednesday, where I was like, can these people just not tell the truth? Right. Can, can you not just tell us the truth? No. And Bongino says this, I think it was his yesterday show or his, it was either his Wednesday or Tuesday show, I don't recall. But he was like, just tell us the truth. Can you just give us the truth? Well, there's a John Lennon song called Give Me Some Truth. Mm-hmm. And he goes into government, and this was back in 79, whenever that song was was written. And it's it's a very interesting song to listen. It's very... Um, it's not a, right. it's not a, got a beat you can dance to a type song. Right. It's a uh, very psychedelic, the way the guitars and it's like, I'm sick and tired of being told about, you know, and he's talking about politicians___ and news media. He's going in on everybody. If you, 
<clears throat> not for nothing. I, I'm sure you've never heard the song because you're not a Beatles fan. Hmm. But I will play it for you because I, oddly enough, I have that song on my phone. I won't play it on here because I don't know what the deal copyright Shock. rules are. But um, it's part of your gym playlist, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very. Um, I, I don't know the word I want to use. It's not demonic. It's not satanic. It's not hypnotic. Evil. It's very descriptive. Okay. Uh, is well, a is a might be a good word for it. Um, let me see. Well, you can't play it due to copyright. Ah, eh, fuck the copyrights. Nah, fuck them. Don't want to get. That's it. Five seconds. That's all we get. Oh, it's still playing. <laughs> he, he he wants to be heard. He wants to be heard. But. I'm sick and tired of hearing these things from narrow-minded. But you right. know, he's going in and he's talking, and that's politicians. And he goes into mm -hmm. news media. He goes into he's he, <laughs> and this was like I said, whenever that 78, 79, whenever right. that was written, very much a uh, how we feel. Well, <laughs> when I say we, I'm talking you and I, but I'm sure there's more people. Well, we've had the discussion before, and I, I like I was telling you before. I know the FBI had a file on John Lennon. Mm -hmm. I know that they were very worried. I know uh, J. Edgar Hoover. I know they were very worried about John Lennon because... He could get people to follow he him. He could, yes. He was very much a... And not that I'm saying that they're the same type of person, but he was very much a John Kennedy, Martin Luther King type person that could rally the people and they would follow him. Right. The the thing about John and it, Lennon, and he was gaining popularity, right? And he was about to become a citizen, right? What could that have meant for? Well, because that meant not they that he could have been president, but but they could have not deported him. They could right. have not gotten rid of him anymore. And what kind of problem would he be then? The one thing that I I've always liked about the Beatles, and say what you want, I know, whatever. But if you listen to in Beatles, especially John Lennon songs. And I'm talking about when he was with the Beatles, but even more so when he was by himself. If you listen to Double Fantasy, if you listen to some of the songs, and you listen to some of the songs on the Imagine album, mm -hmm. just just listen to the words. Forget about the music, because like listening to that song is kind of rough, because it's the the music is kind of like. Right. But if you just listen to the words, to the words, and then some of the songs that he wrote with the Beatles, listen to the words. Don't get caught up in the in the music. Listen to the words come together. Listen to I Am the Walrus. Listen to the words in these songs and what he's trying to tell people. Mm -hmm. He's been doing, or he's been, he had been doing this for 30 plus years. You know, well, I shouldn't say that. It was 20 some odd years, but nonetheless, that he, and even today, I still listen to that music and I'll be mowing the yard and listen to John Lennon. And I'm like, bullshit. Mm -hmm. And that song's, 40 fucking years old right. or, long, or, older. or older, you know what I'm saying? And he, what he's saying in that song resonates today. today. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting. Well, okay. So we brought up John Hinckley Jr. Mm -hmm. The man who shot president Reagan. In Killed March, president. Oh huh. no, he's still, well, he shot, oh, he, yeah. he's not still alive. But. In March of 1981, 
was not found guilty by reason of insanity. Right. He was subsequently granted unsupervised visits with his family. Now, did you know, had Reagan died, then Vice President George H.W. Bush mm-hmm. would have succeeded him in the presidency. Right. A copy of J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye was found in Hinckley's hotel room. Hmm. Now, his dad, remember, I told you, was actually president of the Denver-based Vanderbilt Energy Corporation. He was also the... uh, Beginning in 1976, he served as the president and member of the board of directors of the World Vision International Christian Missionary Charity Organization. It has been alleged that World Vision carried out assassin recruiting of communist dissidents for the Central Intelligence Agency. Here's the thing. Okay, so... Hold on. I'm sorry. There's there's still... John Hinckley Sr.'s son, Scott, served as the vice president of Vanderbilt Energy. From 1974 to 1980, Scott Hinckley lived in Lubbock, Texas. At the same time, George H.W. Bush's son, Neil, lived there. Hmm. Scott Hinckley had planned to dine at Neil Bush's Denver home on the night of the attempt of Ronald Reagan's life by Hinckley's brother, John. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Okay, so I looked this up while you were running your yapper. <laughs> John Hinckley Sr. Mm-hmm. was deeply involved with World Vision, nonprofit humanitarian organization that received heavy funding from the USAID, the government organ that historically had been closely associated with the CIA. He was close with the World Vision Ministries, a former State Department official who worked, among other things, as an advisor to Vietnam. So, oh, shit. Interesting. So I looked up World Vision. Still in operation. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a... (laughs) Which makes me curious... Of of World Vision because, go ahead. Well, that's why I kind of questioned his time. So you had Mark David Chapman, right? You had John Hinckley Jr. Both spent time on these missionary in other countries or whatever. What happened in their time there? Well, what is World Vision? It's a humanitarian aid. But what do they specialize in? Hmm. Gay signal. No. Uh, children. Well, and see, that was <laughs> that was one of the draws that they were saying why Chapman was drawn to World Vision because he viewed himself as Holden Caulfield right. from Catcher in the Rye. He was protecting children from. Yeah, I mean, it was a way to help. Um. So. So let me just look at the Wikipedia here. Zinvi- uh, Always go to the Wikipedia. Well, Evangelical Christian Humanitarian Aid Development and Advocacy Organization refers to itself as a interdenominational and also employs staff from non-Christian. You already said all this. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Now, what did we talk about? It was. I just saw stuff about sponsoring children. Now, what did we talk about with the Jim Jones, though? Same thing. They moved into what? Cults. 
do you would you view world vision as possibly being a little bit of a um could be yeah religion yeah i mean if you (laughs) (laughs) you know when world vision was formed Hmm. (laughs) 1950 begins the world vision sponsorship program with photographs of needy children in what year 1953 just looking at dates situations corresponding with other situations <clears throat> oh it's very interesting <laughs> so could this have been a way okay so like we talk about hillary clinton pizza gate things more recent time uh uh what was her name? Kathy O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Uh, what she said happened, did or didn't happen. Well, you look at some of the involvements of like the Clinton Foundation or the, what is it called the now? The Global like, Initiative or right. whatever, yeah. And the stuff that happened down in Haiti. In Haiti, yeah. I mean, and and <laughs> you don't know what I'm about to say, but I was in Haiti. No. <laughs> um, sh- future show. Okay. Tell me what you think. We're doing moon landing sooner or later. We'll do it next. Um, Do we get into all of that stuff? We can. Children trafficking, world vision. It's it's conspiracy theory, so why not? Yeah. Sure. So. All right. So I just wanted to... This is a very interesting article, but it's about the Hinckley uh, Reagan shooting. It said, why did George H.W. Bush and his cabinet determine that John W. Hinckley Jr., the man who tried to kill inaugurated President Ronald Reagan, was a lone nut and no conspiracy, foreign or domestic, was involved? And how did they arrive at this conclusion just five hours after the shooting without thorough examination? And why won't the Federal Bureau of Investigation release its documents on the shooter? Hinckley, who was released from Federal Psychiatric Facility on August 5th, this was 2016, after 35 years... So the guy that tried to shoot Reagan was released. Right. (laughs) Remains a mystery. And that's the way the government prefers it. Among the documents of the Bureau withholds are those that reveal organizations linked to him and the names of his associates. One noteworthy individual will not even acknowledge knowing Hinckley beforehand, someone associated with the shooter's family, and an even longer history of disassociation. George H.W. Bush hmm. claims he didn't even know him, even though... Uh, His okay. brother, yeah. So, hold and... On. Hold on. That's oh, okay. That's not it. That's, uh, uh, Most Americans have never even heard about this. And even those who have will be intrigued by some little-known aspects. One is a rather unique way the Bush clan has dealt with or sought to dismiss such particular situations. And this is hardly the only one in which the family has been enmeshed. Bush Sr., known to his family and friends as Poppy. Now, this is Preston, right? Yeah. Uh, Bush Sr., yeah. Bush Sr. Claimed he could not remember where he was when he heard that President John F. Kennedy had been shot. I discovered a good reason why he should have remembered, because he himself had been in Dallas that morning. Oh, so this, this is, is George. W- this yeah, is H.W. George. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I had that picture of him dressed as a police officer. Right. I learned this while researching that the Bush dynasty, for what it would become the book Family of Secrets, 
when I came upon an odd coincidence, after, one odd coincidence after another. Weird ones that would make anyone's eyebrow sore. I also saw the FBI memo showing that the man who would later become Bush 41 had secretly called the FBI shortly after the shooting of President Kennedy with information on the man he said might be involved. It turned out that not only was the man not involved, but that Bush knew him personally and even via subordinate gave the man an alibi. Too weird. Hmm. I also learned that Poppy Bush was a longtime acquaintance and friend of George de Mornshield. Now, for those that remember the John F. Kennedy, George de Mornshield was actually the guy that was housing Oswald. Okay. He was like letting him stay in his his house for a, for a period of time. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, George de Mornshield, the mysterious Russian baron who was perhaps the closest person to Lee Harvey Oswald in the year before Kennedy's death. Imagine my interest when I learned that de Mornshield's connections to the American intelligence and that Bush Sr. himself had covertly served the CIA for decades before being named CIA director as purported as a purported outsider in 1976. Right. Which is very odd that you get a guy that's not with inside the agency. Right. Indeed, he had secretly been mucking around with the spy agency before, during, and after Kennedy was killed. The CIA, of course, was later revealed by the Senate's church committee, <laughs> where did we just hear them at, investigation to be investigation to be in the business of arranging the removal or even murder of national leaders in various parts of the world. Imagine my fascination to then learn that John Hinckley Jr., the man who shot and nearly killed President Ronald Reagan, an attempt, if successful, would have resulted in then-Vice President George H.W. Bush moving up to the top spot, none other than a friend of the Bush family. How strange is that? So strange, it literally caused NBC News anchor John Chancellor's eyebrows to arch as he reported the curious connection. The story was broken by the now-defunct Houston Post and then picked up briefly by the AP and UPI Wire Services and some newspapers plus Newsweek. Then it vanished without a trace or further inquiry or comment into the mainstream media. The story was so baffling and off-putting that even I, in writing Family of Secrets, more than a quarter of a century later, did not mention it. I was preparing to publish the book with so many shocking elements that the publisher and I worried whether the mainstream media would even dare cover it. In that context, the Hinckley-Bush connection seemed one one uh, provoca- <laughs> provocation. Good. Have another beer, he says. <laughs> Too far. So. <clears throat> so, Okay. Knowing the things we know. I just found that interesting. That that there was a, a huge connection between Hinckley. Chapman. Well, Hinckley, Chapman, but Hinckley and the Bush family. Right. Well, I'm thinking, here's, the, here's what I think is interesting. You take John Lennon, so world leaders, right? Doesn't necessarily have to be presidents and kings and whatever. Well, Na- national leaders in various parts of the world. Right. So you could you could probably classify Lenin as one of those, right? 
um, obviously, uh, Reagan was kind of the Trump of his time. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, right. Mm -hmm. Um, was more of an outsider. I mean, he was governor of California, but he was more of a outsider. I mean, probably not as much as Trump was, but, um, the fact that you had David Chapman kill, um, Lenin worked for world vision who I, I don't want to say was ran by, by Hinckley senior, but well, it was, he was the president. Was he the and, president? And he was on the board of directors. Bo- well, it was board but, of directors, but nobody was the president at the time. And he, the kid, the Chapman had the, uh, catcher in the rye book. Then, uh, Hinckley's son a year later, it's found with the same book. And with the attempted murder of President, uh, Reagan. President Reagan. So one could question, what does the book have to do with it? Is it just happenstance, or is that part of the trigger? Could be part of the trigger. You know what I'm saying? Could be... Read chapter five. Must kill. <laughs> you, oh, know, I mean, just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Don't know if it has something to do with the programming or not. Or you just... Or do you believe that it's just a coincidence that two people tried to assassinate two different people while holding the same book a year apart when they both were involved in the same organization? No, I don't, I don't believe, I don't think you can sit there and say it's a coincidence at that point, especially it'd be trying to see how I want to work this. Okay. Let's say Chapman killed, uh, Reagan killed, uh, Lenin 1980 uh, so when was Reagan shot? Eighty-one. I know, but when? March. Was, so you're literally talking four months apart. Because uh, Ken, uh, Kennedy, uh, Lenin was killed in December of eighty, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, so you're talking four months apart. <laughs> um. But, okay, so whatever about that. So Chapman kills Lenin. I'm assuming at the time this happens, it's been made public that he's sitting with the catcher and rye. So I guess you could make the the assumption, oh, well, the only reason um, Hinckley had the catcher and rye is because, you know, Chapman is like the cool thing to do, I guess. You know, you kill a world leader and you carry the catcher and the rye because, you know, it's, it's what you do. Um, now, Chapman, they had said... Or not Chapman, but Hinckley, Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't didn't he have some infatuation with? Uh, well, it was claimed that he had an infatuation with Jodie Foster, and the attempt on Reagan's life was to was impress a, her. To or whatever. impress her, right? So I mean, like you do. Yeah, you know, because Jodie Foster, right? Yeah, because I know you know he got tons of fan mail afterwards. Yeah, but I I don't know whether that's true or not true. My thing is this: What's the chances that you have a guy kill a famous singer? And then four months later, that that guy's dad worked. For, <laughs> there's two. That means what? One degree of separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let uh, me let uh, me add another uh, one. In oh, there. here we go. <laughs> here comes the gravy. <laughs> Working as a doorman at the Dakota Building the night Lennon died was Jose Jose <laughs> OJ Simpson. What? OJ Simpson, <laughs> son of a <laughs> Jose Perdermo. Hey, it's OJ Simpson here. <laughs> An anti-Castro exile from Cuba. It had been alleged that Perdermo 
worked for the CIA as early as 1961, and even that he participated in the failed Bay of Pigs invasion. It was also been alleged that the code name for the Bay of Pigs invasion was Operation Zapata. Shoes. (laughs) Which, which, of course, which uh, shared a word in common with Bush's oil company, Zapata Offshore Company. Hmm. And that two Navy ships that were used for the invasion were renamed Houston and Barbara. The Hmm. name of Bush's residence and And the name of his first wife. George H.W. Bush and the Zapata Company have been alleged to have cooperated with the CIA as early as the late 50s. And two FBI memoranda, memoranda, sorry, have been alleged to constitute evidence that such cooperation took place before Bush began serving as director of CIA from 1976 to 1977. He testified to Congress he had never before worked for the agency. Hmm. Lies. Yeah, well... Much in the reason why I say that uh, Bush's flag looked the way it did when he was uh, buried. Did he get rommeled? Mm-hmm. Damn, that's another show. I guess I got to quit saying stuff. We're gonna people are gonna be like, "Oh shit!" I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this has got a little thing on Jim Jones, real quick. Uh, Jones, who died in Guyana in 1978. I know. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't come here often. When I do, I stay for a long time. <laughs> was the leader of the was people's... <laughs> do sexy, sexy man there? Whatever. Uh, I don't come here often, but when I do, I get hammered and stay for three or four hours. Uh, Jones, the leader of the People's Temple in Jonestown, uh, it had been alleged that Jones was an operative for the CIA, that the death... It says here uh, 1,109 people. I thought it was only 900 in Jonestown was a result of government mind control experiment and that the World Vision International was involved. (laughs) Nothing to see here. (laughs) It has also been alleged that the following... Oh, I'm sorry. It has also been alleged that following the massacre, World Vision developed a scheme to repopulate Jonestown with CIA-linked mercenaries from Laos. The neighboring country of Vietnam where Mark David Chapman allegedly worked at a World Vision-sponsored refugee camp three years before the Jonestown Massacre. There you go. And his first year as president... Oh, sorry. Never mind. In his first year as president, President Obama promised to cut approximately $300 million in federal funding, which World Vision, which today is known for helping provide livestock to third-world families, receives annually, but has thus far failed to do so. So but obviously this was uh, older. Could it be safe to say or allude to the fact that maybe World Vision isn't is maybe a CIA cover organization to clandestinely, if that's a word, move well, so, uh, assets about? Well, not to uh, not for nothing. The video that I sent you the other day with the Red Cross. Oh, the 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 uh, that were full of money. Like the yeah, the ammo can, not ammo cans, but yeah, right, yeah, the the Red Cross yeah. canisters. Yeah, that's true. And it, it's been said that the Red Cross, the these humanitarian, the um, wh- whatever you want to call them, these aids, right, are actually money laundering systems. Yeah, 
So here's your surprise. Yeah, so where was that where was that at? I remember the video. I can't recall where they said it was at. Was that in Ukraine? I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah, it was a room full of these you know what, probably what, two, three foot yeah, well, they look crates? Like, yeah. like, like they almost look like gun crates, but they had crosses on them. And the dude opens it up and it's full of fucking cash. American dollars, or not dollars, but you know, cash. I'm not greedy. I would just take one. Yeah, just give me a crate. It's just amazing. And the, the thing that kills me, and I'm going to refer back to the February 27th show I did, and then the show I did also on Wednesday where I talked about this, about the bio labs in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, we You found the... The substack. Well, that was on... It was on Twitter. It was on... Was it Twitter initially? Well, you showed me the thing on TikTok. Well, because... Yeah, somebody had, the had map posted or a video. Whatever. Right. But, but this started from a, a thread from on War Clandestine. Clandestine on Twitter. On Twitter. And he was immediately yeah. kicked off of Twitter. Right. And I've come to the conclusion, and we've talked about this, pretty much anyone that's kicked off of of a social media platform. I don't care what it is. Twitter, Facebook, Especially YouTube. Especially after posting something like that. Right. When you're kicked off, and it's under the guides of misinformation or disinformation or malinformation, it's bullshit. Like I said in the show, I was like, you know, I don't see Biden get kicked off of social media for saying that the COVID uh, vaccine is going to cure, cure you because didn't. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you probably want to save it, but, you know, I didn't want to. What's that? About the Pfizer uh, stock. Oh, yeah, well, well, well that show for another day. <laughs> no, but I just, I'm just saying it's like you. the one good thing about computers and the Internet and whatever mm-hmm. is if you look in the right places, you can find a whole bunch of shit. Well, that's that's kind of the thing about the Internet. That's That's the... The positive and the negative. Yeah, it's good and bad. You got to decipher. You can read, but the thing is, you can read stuff from <clears throat> trusted websites, and they could be lying to you just as easily as some of these. Like that's why whenever I try to look for shit that I know I'm not going to find honest on here, now I can find it on my phone and I can throw it to my computer. So it's not a situation of of that. But I know looking for it on my phone, I'm going to find a better angle mm-hmm. that I am looking at and I know it sounds stupid but it's true it's if I don't care who you are if you think that googling or binging whatever you're looking for is going to give you the best options you're wrong and I'm not saying DuckDuckGo is 100% whatever I'm sure they're no but we know 100% Google is well I like like I said the thing I looked up I looked it up on here I looked it up on here and I got two different first the first five um whatever is is their most popular right. version of whatever you're looking up. Right. And there were two different fucking options. Right. <laughs> right. So, anyway, not that this is an advertisement for DuckDuckGo, but I'm just saying. Um, you got anything else? Hey, look at that. Shade under three ma- three hours and ten minutes. There you go, man. See, we're cutting man, back. I see your legs shaking. You got to pee again, don't We're you? cutting back. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get out of here. Oh. My, my uh, programming's kicking in. <laughs> Have another MK Ultra, mm-hmm. buddy. <laughs> Is there any left? Yeah, there's. We still got two. Two each or two? No, two. Oof. <laughs> Oof. So we drank five. This is no, five. Two each. 
Oh, I say, shit, I don't remember drinking five. Anyway. Do you right. want to? Do you want to drink five? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, I think we're up in the air as to what our next subject will be about. Yeah. We can do moon landing. I know, you, I know you're itching I'm for itching it. For it. I'm itching for it. Or that's the crabs. I don't know. It's one of the I don't know. There's so much shit that we could talk about when it comes to conspiracy well, theories. Yeah, I know, but you were wanting to go in some kind of order, so Right. Uh, well that, that doesn't throw us too far off the uh beaten path. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks because we're doing this like every other week. Um we'll play it by ear. Uh we'll, but in the meantime, We'll do research on that. I don't. I honestly don't know with the shit we've been talking about the last this show and the last two shows prior. I don't know. Well, maybe it's not a bad thing, but I don't know if I got a three-hour show about the moon landing or. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. <laughs> of course, we didn't think this was going to go that long either. So, you know, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, everybody found it interesting. Um, hopefully, you may or may not have known the things that we talked about today. But nevertheless, like I said, hopefully it was interesting. Hopefully we didn't ramble too much. and, and Like we do. Like we do. And get way off subject. But uh, Well, I think that's what makes it. We could come in here and we could read articles and be like, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think it's good to just have a conversation. And maybe some of the stuff I said you didn't know. Maybe some of the stuff you said I didn't know. And it makes for an interesting uh, conversation. Interesting conversation. So with that being said... If we do 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 the moon landing uh, thing, we got to figure out what we're going to drink. I know you had an idea of something. Hmm. I'm sure I'll come up with something. Yeah. Hey, if you guys have any ideas, you can reach out to us on Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775 or on Facebook at Don't Tread on America. Uh, or, or Instagram. Instagram. I, I don't get on there a whole lot, I'll be honest with you. Um, or hear me out. Subscribe to our website, don't tread on America.com. It's free. I don't charge you. I don't even talk about you charge me. Well, I got to make money somehow. Oh, speaking of money, go to our Patreon. No, I'm not that guy. I was, well, I don't want to. Right. Do I? Anyway. All right, guys. Today is Friday, uh, March 11th. 2022 you guys have a fantastic friday enjoyable weekend um please make sure you share this with your friends and give us a five star rating at the bottom of whatever podcast app you are listening to this on you guys have a great day anything in parting no he talks so much he can't say bye that's it that's all i got that's it i'm spent i'm 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 done done. (laughs) tapping out (laughs) All right, guys. We'll talk to you all later. Thanks for listening.